Good morning and welcome to Adam vs. the Man. Today is Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. We have a special show for you today. <clears throat> the title, of course, being Statistics, Suicide, and Corona. Now, I'm not trying to make this um, perfect, timeless episode that is uh, is going to be good forever. We're not trying to make the decisive work on suicide, but we do want to make some very important points. We want to we want to share our, our love and support for humanity with you, anybody who might be watching this right now. I say we because we have a community here at Adam versus the Man, not just a team. You know, and and and, and I want to start shout out to my core team: producer CJ, co-host comment Jim Freedom, Booker Marcus Pulis, and debate manager Mercedes Damrotowski. But especially everybody with us in the producers club as well. There's a, there, there's a bigger community, and even beyond the, the the producers club, there is a community of people <clears throat> uh, who at least tune in to listen to me every now and then and appreciate this message and feel like they're a part of something here with Adam versus the man. I want to make sure that, that that's available to everybody. And today we are we're, we're talking about some serious shit. We're going to talk about suicide. We're going to talk, we have, you know, what, what prompted this episode for me was actually finally seeing the next wave of statistics. And uh, this, this is the big headline. I uh, will come back to this from, from Stat News is among amid pandemic, U.S. has seen 300,000 excess deaths with, with highest rates among people of color. Now there's there's so much to tease out in these statistics, but what's what's really interesting is uh, oh, there's so much interesting about this. But what's important in this in this story and, and, and this coming out into the mainstream now is that it's being used as an attempt to surprise, surprise, uh, say that Corona is worse than we ever said it was. More people have died as a result of it, and uh, it's an important sort of journalistic responsibility that I, I would take on for myself when uh, a big lie is being told to point out the truth, even when YouTube won't let us. So we're going to get our promos out of the way. We're going to check in with Comment Jim Freedom, and... Uh, I've got about 10, 10 articles, 10, 10 links pulled up related to this idea of uh, statistics and suicide and corona. So we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, you know, another, another, another big disclaimer, CJ, do we have, uh, do we have our banner ready with, the, uh, with, with at least the national hotline information? There you go. If you are feeling suicidal or needing to talk to someone, call 1-800-273-8255, 273 Veterans Press One. You know, that's pretty cool. I, I, I want to point out for veterans, you know, we, we talk about veteran suicides a lot. Is that being uh, an issue that is, you know, particularly relevant to myself as a veteran? But uh, there's also the VA. You can call the VA. The VA um, is often extremely frustrating to deal with. Uh, I can tell you a bit about that from personal experience. <laughs> Maybe we'll get back to that with Jim and CJ. 
as that relates to uh, to the subject of, of conversation. But I also want to point out to everybody who's listening, who uh, and I don't mean to assume that everybody in our audience is our, our, our audience is libertarian. I know we have plenty of liberal and conservative trolls joining us as well every single day. But uh, as a libertarian, you might be afraid uh, to seek out help through conventional means for, for two reasons. Oh, geez, a number of reasons, really. Um, one, if you're talking to, say, a counselor at the VA, you are talking to a government employee. And uh, even a you know a a, a, pro, a, a non-government shrink will tell you that uh, you know I respect all confidentiality except when you represent uh, an immediate harm to yourself or others. Well, uh, this is this is this is where there really is uh, a language divide between statists and libertarians and if uh, there are a lot of things that if, if that, that you say as a libertarian that triggers someone as a statist who doesn't understand it who doesn't understand the language or the perspective or, or the, the bigger point upon which what you're saying is based when even discussing your personal issues and right now especially Amid coronaphobia, the coronavirus outbreak, there, <coughs> there, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, you might blame the state for feeling down. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> and Jim pointed out before the show started, I've, I've heard this before, like, there's, there's a fun challenge, like, hey, <clears throat> tell me anything that's wrong with your life, and I'll tell you how we can blame government for at least making it worse, if not just outright causing it. And, I mean, first of all, any financial problem that you might have, yeah, just that, that whole sector <laughs> of personal problems, blame government. <clears throat> you got legal issues. Even as little as all, you're a little stressed because you've got jury duty, which, by the way, is like, as Ernie Hancock says in... Uh, Pirates Without Borders. It's like winning the sedition lottery because you can go in and vote not guilty if it's a victimless crime, no matter what else is going on. Yeah, jury nullification. But so if if you've been, if you're being threatened with, I mean, shit, <laughs> I got a warrant out for my arrest in Texas right now. <laughs> like, uh, you know, for most people, if you didn't like, if, if if you didn't understand that, like, I I give no wait to the moral authority of the government of Wise County, Texas, you know, you might think that that might, that that could be a source of stress for me. Um, it's not really, it's, it's, it's really just one more thing on my to-do list at the moment. Um, and actually I'm thinking about just kind of letting this one go. I already told the prosecutors to, to piss off by email. <laughs> they left me alone since then, but I think the warrant is still technically out. Anyway, so, uh, legal challenges, financial challenges, boom, right away. And, 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 I mean, there's some financial challenges that, I mean, if you're, 
No, see, I was, I was going to try, I'm trying to think of an exception. Like, um, let, let's get Jim on stage for this, by the way. Jim, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of an exception. Like, when, when can, can we think of any problems that we could not blame government for, uh, for at least making worse? That's why I said that on my Facebook post in the first place. I mean, it was years ago I said it, but that's why I said it, because I couldn't think of anything that I couldn't derive back to the government as the root of the problem. Or, like you said, at least making it worse. Making it worse. Yeah, like, and, and I'm trying to think, there, there's got to be some, like, factor of human health. Like, uh, you know, like you were born with some genetic disorder and you've got like some twisted chromosome or something like that. You've got a spring chromosome. Um, <clears throat> maybe the polarity of, of, of your DNA has been reversed or, um, you know, you, you were shipped from the factory with a couple screws missing. You know, you go, oh, no, that's just biology. <clears throat> well, I can't think of a single instance of, of a challenge like that even where – we would be so much better at dealing with it without government. And 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 in any give me a particular case, and I'll tell you. Like you you were born diabetic. Okay, well the fact that we don't that that, that your care is not top of the line across the board for all of humanity and cheap and readily available, government. The fact that we don't understand it better because science has been retarded in the literal sense of the word, by government. Yeah, we can blame government for that. Um, but financial problems, like, I'm trying to think, if, if, if you, uh, you know, you, you were, for some reason you had to have your savings and cash in your pocket and you fell into a lake and it fell out of your pocket and you lost it all, I don't think we can blame government for that. You know? but, but we can then blame, but that's not your problem, right? Your problem is now you can't afford to live yeah well yeah we can blame government we can blame government for your inability to deal with that to to our full potential as as a society right so health problem or uh so financial problems like even there even even when your immediate situation is entirely your fault and it, and it, I, i'm not trying to avoid responsibility it's still your responsibility to navigate statism but uh it really is. I, I mean, I, I, you've heard me say a lot that Corona is, this, is is like this dark cloud hanging over the whole world. Well, so's fucking government. <laughs> you know, like so. Like, <clears throat> sorry, um, I kind of want to like put this to the audience. You know, for for our contest today. You know, can you think of of a can you cha challenge me? Can you think of a single thing in your life? Excuse me, that's not. Either government's fault or made worse by government. Can you can you really? Th I mean, I stubbed my toe. Well, if it wasn't for government, you would be richer than you are right now, and probably not in a situation to stub your toe. You probably have better footwear. <laughs> you know, like I mean, you know, there there are lesser. There's some things that government has less responsibility for making shitty, and some things that it has complete responsibility for making shitty. Part of the point here is like the, the shittiness of government literally touches everything, and 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 it can be held at least partly responsible for everything being uh, not as good as it could be in the world, right? 
like you were saying, uh, even with the diabetes and things like that, I, I would go even further. Yeah, there is some personal responsibility, and yeah, some people are able to navigate through the government propaganda and everything that they're pushing down our throats with McDonald's and everything like that. Yeah, some people make it through that and are healthy and fit, and it, you know, you can say it was their responsibility that got them there, but it's like it's like a track with a bunch of hurdles in it. You know, yeah, somebody made it to the end over the hurdles, but the hurdles are still an obstacle and they were put there by the government. You know what I mean? Yeah. The government has made it so that our society is rampant with diabetics and everything. You know what I mean? It's not to, it's not just that they're making it worse to, to solve the problem once you have it, but they still, in my opinion, are causing all these problems. Like, oh, I'm diabetic. It's my fault because I didn't eat healthy enough. No, it's still government's fault because they put 95% of everything around you is unhealthy and they encourage you and brainwash you into choosing that. And and if you're you're tricked into that, that's not your fault, in my opinion. You know, there it's a fine line because, yeah, there is personal responsibility, but I I, I tend to be empathetic towards people that got tricked and didn't find their way to a healthy lifestyle because they, you know, fell into the brainwashing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, this, this, uh, thing that we talk about a lot as libertarians of responsibility and accountability. We're the only ones, excuse me, uh, with a proper ethical framework by which to evaluate or, or answer those kinds of questions in the first place. I think it's part of what makes us unique in, in valuing these things. Libertarians value responsibilities and value people taking responsibility. So uh, we're not going to do calls today. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm open to calls if, if someone has a, you know, has a specific reason, but I, I don't want to, uh, you know, get too sidetracked or, or uh, a risk triggering anybody while we're talking about the sensitive subject. Uh, and, you know, we could go for an hour. We could go for two hours. we got plenty of news. If, if we don't get to it, we'll cover it tomorrow. But today I, we, we are going to get into the. We're going to make sure that we take our time and, and we really thoroughly cover the subject. So I, I do really want to encourage commenters. If you're watching live, thank you so much. And if you're watching live right now, please share the show. Uh, if you're watching not live, share the show also. But especially right now, if you're watching live, you know that we are up against, uh, you know, an incredible amount of censorship. We got a bit of a late start today. Uh, we're not on YouTube, so no one's getting YouTube alerts for this episode. But at least none of my subs. Uh, I, we're on our backup channel today, I believe. Uh, of course, on Periscope and Facebook, Jim is going to be watching comments in all of those places. So, Jim. Um, before, like, I, I didn't finish my point about why a libertarian might be inclined to avoid uh, conventional suicide outreach or mental health outreach uh, mechanisms, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna open with that when we get into the topic. But uh, are, are there first of all, are, are there any other sort of caveats or you know setups that that you want to make for this topic to introduce it? Um. No, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm not uh, – I, I don't consider myself intelligent on the subject at all. I think it's a scary subject that I've never really delved that far into. Uh, all I can say is 
everything you guys usually say if you you know read the bottom sure. of the screen if you're feeling in any way shape or form if there's a question whatsoever you can email me jim at the freedomline.com i'm a great listener and crap like that but you know other than that call somebody call somebody just reach out and if you're a person i'll say this on the other end of it if you're a person who somebody reaches out to do something about it. Engage with that person. Talk to that person. Go out to lunch with them. Do something. You know what I mean? Don't, don't yeah, just assume that they're going to be fine and they need to figure their own stuff out. Somebody calls you and expresses anything near suicidal tendencies, you get the hell over there and talk to them and find some people to help them. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for for that point, Jim. And, and that is that is a really important uh, – yeah, I'm going to come back to that. You know, we're going we're gonna to make sure we spend a few minutes covering uh, outreach, uh, just in general. And I, I don't mean libertarian outreach. I mean mental health outreach. I mean strengthening communities. I mean being a good person, doing what you can do as an individual to possibly save a life, to support your community and, and your friends and family and, and your neighbors, not just now, but, but really, you know, at any time, at any point. Uh, but there, so one, one more uh sort of caveat I want to get out of the way, although I, I'm going to come back to this also, is that if you're a veteran, I'm sorry, not if you're a veteran, if you're active duty military, uh, if you are active duty military, you you face a lot of pressures to not uh, admit to anybody that you're having a problem. Um, and, and active duty suicides on top of military suicides is, is a significant issue. I've got an article about that with some of the numbers and some of the, some of the Pentagon propaganda and spin around that. But, uh, there's one other resource that, that, uh, CJ, if you could get this on screen on, on a banner, I love sharing this link. GIWriteHotline.org. Sorry, I didn't put that in the notes ahead of time, but it, it's one of those things that I think is a really important resource for active duty troops. I mean, normally uh, I send this to uh, to relatives and friends of people who are trying to get out. Like more often than not, that's the case. <clears throat> Excuse me, you, re you remember our friend, uh, I I'm not going to name him, but our, our friend who was here for the delivery of the Freedom Factory on Friday um, said his his son was in the military and having a shitty time and did it. And, and, but he, and he said, but he's stuck. He can't get out. Bullshit. hundred percent bullshit. They will tell you that USMC, you signed the motherfucking contract. Bullshit. First of all, it's not a contract. <laughs> yeah. It's an enlistment document. Cause it only binds. One person, namely you. All right, I'll stop the militarism rant to get to the suicide. And In the U.S. <laughs> Army, we called it, we said, Uncle Sam ain't released me yet. Yeah, all right, there you go, there you go. We had dumb, hey, what's your favorite TLA, Jim? Uh, I don't know. TLA, you don't have a favorite TLA? Mm -hmm. TLA is my favorite TLA. Three-letter acronym, duh. Anyway, all right, so. Let, let, let's go to the comments, check in with the audience as, as part of our sort of pre-show here uh, before we hit our promos and, and go right into our main topic. Uh, I really do want to include the audience in this, so go ahead and start reading some comments for us, Jim. 
Empty Matter says, here at my work, we have this posted in the BHU unit, California State Suicidal Text Hotline 211. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And, you know, for, for those of you in California. Um, or call 988, National Suicide oh. Prevention Number. Okay, so there's a shorthand now in the cell system. That's cool. 988, instead of 911, call 988. All right, that's a good thing to remember. Hold on a second. Hold on. Just before we get to the next one, I want to make a quick comment about text messaging uh for a lot of people if you're suicidal and you feel like i'm i'm big, i mean text messaging has taken over communication you know like I, I don't have a number on this but if you look at like pre-text message how much of you know electronic communication was by voice versus by text and then you add in text messaging you go wow oh. you know and if you go by the the amount of meaning you know because people communicate a lot more in shorthand by text than they do in long form by voice. So even for by, by volume, the significance of text messaging is possibly even way more significant. And if that's what you're comfortable with, there are resources like that. So if someone, is there a national uh, or, or international, I, I think I've seen one. I, I, I apologize, I don't have this ready, but like, you know, let's, let's tap the wisdom of the audience here. Uh, so Cal, in California, you can text 211. And that will get you uh, someone you can text with uh, about suicide. That's really cool. I'm I'm glad we're there. If anybody has any more uh, similar resources like that, please put them in the comments uh, and and repeat them if uh, if if Jim doesn't uh, doesn't get them on stage. Oh, uh, CJ is asking what was that website again for the military? GI rights hotline.org yeah so let's get that up on screen for a few minutes Jim next comments please okay uh, Unicorny our friend Gus he wanted to remind you to say your disclaimer about not having suicidal thoughts because <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I'm 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 very lucky you know uh, I like I've, I've, I've dealt with depression um, I've, I've dealt with PTSD uh, you know, a variety of other little, yeah, you know, I, I think we need a better way of talking about this. You know, and I, I want to put this to the audience here as well, okay, because, you know, I was about to say I've, I've dealt with my own mental health issues, you know, um, but about PTSD in particular, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, a lot of people have taken issue with the use of the D. I don't like the D. Do you like the D? I don't like the D. Uh, but no, but it put D disorder at the end of PTSD, and uh, a lot of people have said, no, you're you're pathologizing, as in creating an illness out of something that is a normal, healthy function. So with PTSD, like when, when you have a shitty traumatic experience, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's unfair, like, technically, do we want to debate the word? Is it a disorder? Like, yeah, if you have inappropriate stress-based reactions in situations where you shouldn't have stress reactions, then there's, there, you could describe that as a disorder. But, like, I want, to, I want to try to think of a better way of talking about this. And, and I, got to, I got to sort of give my background understanding on this. 
excuse me, for those of you who don't know, I do, I do have an undergraduate degree in psychology. I do, I do have some credentials on the subject. Uh, during my time in, in, in undergrad, I did uh, at-risk youth counseling as a volunteer, as, as well, I shouldn't say as a volunteer, technically. I mean, yes, I was volunteering, but as, as part of the, uh, the, the program at, at uh, Claremont McKenna College. Uh, I, and then I've done, I ran a peer support group for vets with PTSD called Homefront Battle Buddies. By the way, we are trying to bring that back, Stephen McClure and myself. Um, and, and I've been distracted by some things, but what we're doing, we're trying to raise the seed money to get Homefront Battle Buddies restarted as a, as a separate nonprofit, as a, as a uh, group for veterans with PTSD to host retreats. And I, I am trained also with a program that doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, called Vets for Vets, which uh, trained veterans like myself in, in community organizations. And this is while I was with the Rock Veterans Against the War. Uh, it's, so I was, I was trained, and, 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 you know, there are a number of vets out there who are trained to, to lead uh, and, and organize, you know, group talk therapy sessions for vets with PTSD. And so I'd love to have uh, Stephen... Uh, our Bronze Star Navy Afghanistan vet from Georgia who's done church civil disobedience as a pastor during, during the uh, COVID shutdowns there. Uh, if I could, if I could get him funded and, and, and this organization started, I would love to be able to use my property and my time to help other veterans in that situation. And, and again, uh, the, the, the big reason for this, there are tons of vets programs out there. I get it. Uh, if you're a libertarian veteran or even an anti-war or anti-militarism veteran, you're going to have a much better conversation with veterans who, if, if they, even if they don't share your exact perspective, uh, embrace and celebrate the fact that you have rejected the mainstream paradigm of authority and militarism. And so we really do want to create a special space for I don't, I don't think we're ever going to <clears throat> uh, explicitly say libertarian veterans, although we might. You know, I mean, how cool would that be to say we have a support group foundation now, nonprofit for PTSD retreats for libertarian veterans? I don't I don't think I think that might be a little too narrow, um, but we we would say for veterans who, who want to work outside the system and. Uh, it would be quasi legal here because I'm legal as a patient. Can I share my medication? I don't know. Um, but we want to get, we're, we're, we're about to have, uh, and, and remember, Jim, we're going to do this tomorrow for Friday's show. We're going to get into the cannabis, uh, legislation that's on the ballot for here in Arizona for switching from medical to recreational. Barely, but distinctly crossing that line <clears throat> and, and all the implications of that. So, uh, if anybody wants to help out with that, please, uh, if, if you want to donate or help organize or fundraise for the rebirth of Homefront Battle Buddies, uh, please send me an email, adam at thefreedomline.com. All right, Jim, any more comments? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. we got to do a few promotions of our own before we get to your block, I believe. So Absolutely. So, okay. <clears throat> you know, there's there's one other thing I, I want to point out. I'm actually going to come back to this and get into it a little deeper. But the re, the reason I was saying there's there's a community, you know, here around Adam versus the man is that for those of you who 
don't feel comfortable going through the mainstream sources of help, uh, there are other communities out there, and and this is one of them. And and I love it. I love the there, there's just a, not just a beautiful conversation and connection that happens every day in our producers club on our Telegram chat. There's a certain, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, it might be a bit of an exaggeration to call it like a sense of family with, with our producers club, but, but definitely community and an openness that I, that I don't see in a lot of other conversations. And uh, th- there's, there's a certain amount of, of trust there. So don't worry, I'm going to come, I, I left this thread way open, I'm sorry, I started to list all the reasons, you know, a libertarian might not want to call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get fully, fully into that today, uh, but for now, I, I do want to point out that if, if, if you want to join this community directly, you can buy your way in, that's right, uh, this is. This is the plug. You can go to AdamVersusTheMan.com. Find the link to Patreon.com slash AdamVersusTheMan. Uh, right now we've got some behind-the-scenes footage up there of uh, me and Jim working on the Freedom Factory on Sunday, getting that building. By the way, Jim, I got a few hours in yesterday. Let's see. I, I think I worked from like 4.30 to 10.30 at night. I was working by Spotlight. <clears throat> excuse me, by Shoplight. Uh, hanging drywall, cutting drywall. Uh, but I got the insulation done on the attic area. Uh, I got a few panels of drywall hung, so it is coming along. I, I got we got the uh, the foam panels, the sound. Fo- We're gonna have a sound space. I know you guys are like Adam's gonna have good audio. No way. Yes, uh, we we are gonna have a room where most of the surface area is sound foam. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool how we figure this out. So again, thank you everybody who made this possible. But if you go to AdamVersusTheMan.com, you can also find our store, um, uh, all this cool merchandise, including stuff with the Garden of Freedom logo on it. Thanks for throwing that up, CJ. But I didn't finish the thought. What I wanted to say is that even if you don't join the Producers Club, even if you don't want to you know, throw in $10 a month for this production, uh, it's pretty easy for someone to connect to this community. Uh, I mean, if you send me an email, I'll, I'll read it on the air. If you send me an email that says I need help with something, um, you know, send me an email and uh, or, or Adam at thefreedomline.com. Or even if you just jump in in the comments today, you know, I encourage anybody who's having any kind of, uh, you know, stress issues, mental health issues, you know, anything like that. And you say, hey, guys, can I get some help with this? Um, you know, I, I don't know where our – our producers club, are, do, do our, does our producers club, the people who are watching, do they exclusively watch the comment stream backstage? I assume that our, our producers who are watching live want to tangle with the rest of the audience and the trolls. Uh, so, Jim, Jim, real quick, if you would tell me or maybe pop up an example, where is where is the bulk of the comment conversation happening today? Uh, well, we've got one, two, three, four... Ten from Periscope and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten from Facebook. So figure that out. All right. So Facebook and Periscope. Well, Jim's watching both of those, uh, <clears throat> and and all those comment threads are, are permanent records on the internet. But if you say that you need help, 
um, we're happy to help you there. So two last promos real quick. Of course, our debate manager, Mercedes Dan Rutowski, would love it if you could go to makethemdebates.com, check out my personal profile there, maybe add in some debates, maybe pledge some funds. Uh, I think someone has proposed an Adam Kokesh versus Joe Rogan debate. You know, a guy who just signed a contract worth potential. Now, by the way, I mentioned this yesterday. Joe Rogan signs on with Spotify for a hundred. When they put out in their press release a contract that may be worth a hundred million dollars, you know that's an inf- a hugely inflated number, so they can get to that head hundred million dollars, and it gets simplified, and, and and people go, Joe Rogan got a hundred million dollars. Nah, he didn't. Um, that's like a hundred million dollars over years with royalties, and if X Y Z goes, but it looks like him selling out is not working for him very well. Um, if you want more on that, check out our our first segment from yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, CigarFederation.com. Oh, I was going to say, for, for the Make Them Debates, if you want me to actually, if you want to bait Joe Rogan into debating me, it, it's going it's to take a lot of money. That was my point. Uh, at very least, he did just sign uh, some kind of immediate payment, multi-million dollar contract to move his archive and broadcast. Well, his archive minus my episode and a few other controversial ones um, to move that over to Spotify. So, um, did, did we get, by the way, I'm going to say this again, did, did, CJ, did we get the GI rights? I didn't see it, but we get that on, on screen, GI rights, hotline.org. Um, and th- this is really more for active duty military, but you know, today, today's episode, uh, the, the thing is, uh, all right, well, we got to do our last promotion. The thing is, I, I want this to be about people looking out for each other and looking out for yourself. Like, like, like well, with Adam versus the man, and if, if you're part of my audience, I, I know it's really easy to get carried away with the news. You know, and, and, and even if you're doing it our style of, of digesting uh, the mainstream media into, you know, di- digestible pieces, there's uh, a tendency to get caught up in the, the franticness of, of the 24-hour news cycle. And, you know, again, we, we're going to take a lot of comments from the audience. If Jim Jim wants to pop up anything, uh, you know, Jim, feel free to just throw something up, and I'll, I'll when I get to a natural break in my thoughts, I'll, I'll read it for everybody. Um, but, yeah, you know, reaching out to, to call people, you know, things like that. If you have active duty military uh, people you know who are struggling, make sure they know they can get out at any time. Like, this is, this is my point when I said bullshit. Like, no, they, they will tell you. Oh, you signed the contract. You're stuck. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. And I don't mean suicide. Uh, <laughs> there's, there, yeah, you, well, you could always kill yourself. I mean, if it gets really bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that's never the answer. Uh, to, to, to remind everyone of the cliche, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, right? And fortunately, I do believe that the U.S. military, even as far as humanity is concerned, is a temporary problem. All right, uh, CJ, did you get that? Did you get that up on on the screen? I, I really want to make sure people see that. We get it in the notes. GIWritesHotline.org. All right, hold on. I got it. Got a note in the in the chat. Yeah, okay, yeah. Spin on screen. All right, good to go. All right. 
Um, there, oh, there's oh, the, the whole page actually on screen. Sorry, I was just looking for a banner, like, oh, you're going to be really smooth and put it across, like, like Cigar Federation, where I forgot to mention that with our, uh, our other promo, CigarFederation.com, uh, this is our, please support our partners, support the show. If, if you want, I mean, if you want to give us money directly, that's great too. Uh, help us build out this studio. Even, even when it's done, by the way, the Freedom Factory, when the, when the building part is done, is in the interior is all built out, uh, there's still a lot of, stuff for improvement that we're going to need to do getting a so we need to get a solar system in there so we're not just running an extension cord from our existing solar power system uh the whole uh, you know a little bit of electrical uh, you know run some lines and uh furniture studio dressing uh different camera microphone uh laptop setup so that we can upgrade the production that way there's still a lot to do if you want to contribute to that we greatly appreciate it um so CigarFederation.com, if you go there and promo code ADAM10, all caps, will get you 10% off your order. So I, I hope you'll uh, you'll support the show that way or by buying merch or by going to our Patreon page. And like I said, we, we don't have a guest today, uh, and that, that is kind of d- deliberate for today's special episode, but we also we don't have one. Tomorrow, so we are going to be taking calls tomorrow. Might be a lot of fun with uh, with some follow up from today's episode. So if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're hearing what I'm saying today, and you're like, I don't know if you're not taking calls. Uh, well, tomorrow's episode for Friday, we will be taking calls and uh, making sure that everybody who wants to talk about the issues that we're getting into today uh, can have a chance to join the conversation live on air as, as, as well. So um, now we have a comment from uh, from Chris Cole in our Producers Club chat. I do want to share this. this is Chris Cole, Victims of Family Law, who writes, Veterans and family law issues contribute majorly to 22 a day. Be interested to know roughly how many. Oh, yeah. Uh, sadly, one of the themes of today's show is how misleading and incomplete the statistics are, thanks to government. Yep, we can, oh, yeah, we could definitely blame government for that. So uh, what, what Chris is, is referencing here is the generally accepted statistic that 22 veterans commit suicide a day. And one of the problems with that statistic in and of itself is that it's underreported. If a veteran gets drunk, and is feeling suicidal and is on his way home from the bar and then decides to hit a tree as hard as he can or drive off a cliff, that's not counted as a suicide. That's counted as a vehicle accident. That's a suicide. And from what I know, from my own connection to the veterans community, is that there are a significant number of suicides that are that are unreported or in, in that sense. The other major factor in distorting that statistic uh, is, is for suicides in general. Uh, that generally speaking, people who commit suicide are discovered by their families uh, more more often than than anyone else. I, I don't know the stats on that, but pretty confident in, in that you know, conclusion that, that it's at least most of the time. And for a lot of them, uh, they cover it up. And there, there are two major categories of incentives there. One is 
is the same. Uh, they would rather say, I don't think about this for yourself too. Now, and this is this is a really important one. I want because here's a challenge to you personally, to, to everyone. <clears throat> if you found a family member who had died of suicide, please have the courage to tell the truth about what happened to them, and don't try to cover it up with some slightly less embarrassing story for you. But there are a lot of families. <clears throat> now there is one exception to what I what I just said, based on a different reason, right? Uh, and that's so. So there's a, the, the social pressure, the, sh- the shame, the stigma, the appearance. People generally don't want to admit or have it on the record that a family member committed suicide. And hey, a, a big part of this is the shame. And this is something we absolutely have to get over. I, and I do generally believe that, that in, in a psychosocial sense, humanity is evolving past irrational embarrassment. Because if, you know, if, uh, if someone in my family who, who I was living with, you know, committed suicide, uh, you know, a lot of people look at that and go, oh, well, what the fuck did you do wrong? What, what did you do? That, that pushed this person to suicide? Or, or what did you not do that could have prevented them from committing suicide? And the answer is usually nothing. Colette Allen writes in a comment, uh, it's got to stop being a taboo subject. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And, and I hope this show helps in, in just making people more comfortable talking about it. So the other reason for wanting to cover up a suicide would be financial. And this is where I say there might be some exception, right? Like, uh, let's say it's, say it's a life insurance policy, right? And you, and, and, and I'm not going to get too much into to, to all of the ethics around this. You know, are, are you ripping off the insurance company or, uh, but, but if, it, if, it, if it's a government thing, you know, I have no problem taking money back from an institution of thieves. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if if you have to cover up a suicide in order to get money out of out of an institution, uh, you know, at least it better be worth it because you are committing a fraud to society at the same time in not acknowledging this, you know, at least one story of, of suicide that possibly people could learn from. So what what Chris has pointed out. Uh, and he shared another comment here. Family law causes suicides. Overwhelming of fathers, especially veteran fathers, who don't suffer from PTSD from combat, but suffer from issues from divorce and child custody issues. And yeah, it's, it's a different kind of trauma <clears throat> to have your kids taken away in a divorce court. And, and it's a kind of trauma that humans have not really psychologically evolved to handle. Hey, here's a piece of paper that says you're never going to see your kids again. I think biologically, psychologically, we're better equipped to watch our children be eaten by lions, you know, than and, and, and kind of process that loss than this, what, the, the government is just, and, and my ex is just taking them from me? Like, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a different kind of trauma. So 
Chris Cole t- talking about victims of family law <clears throat> is very attuned to the issues that victims of family law face. And yes, it is overwhelmingly, but not exclusively fathers. And it's a lot of veterans because uh, when you when you have signed up to kill for politicians, I mean, serve the country in the United States military, you accept certain logistical challenges. Now, the deployments, being away for training even, things like that, that often uh, your partner can use against you in, in a divorce proceeding. So uh, here's another one. Uh, Chris Cole points out veterans have their retirement and disability directly taken by child support, leaving many of them with nothing to live on, also causing homelessness and addiction issues in their services used against them, <clears throat> anger, violence, PTSD. Yeah, the recruiter doesn't tell you this. By the way, if you come home with PTSD, your wife might tell the government that you are now unsuitable to be a father, divorce you, take your kids, and all of your disability payment is going to be garnished. And by garnish, I, I don't mean we're, we're going we're gonna to add garnishing seasoning to, to, to it. No, like we're going we're gonna to steal that shit, and then you're going to be homeless, or at least financially desperate. Um, Chris pointed out many military dads come home to an empty house, no wife, no children, and a divorce and or custody battle. Yeah, Chris, thank you for pointing that out. And, uh, oh, CJ calls it the military-industrial divorce complex. <clears throat> yeah, and there are a lot of rackets around that. But let's get into our main subject today before we, we get into the, the first headline that inspired this. <clears throat> I, I, I want to finish my thoughts about why, as a libertarian, uh, as, as a... As a distinct sub-community in America and in the world, we face some unique challenges in seeking help for mental health issues. And part of it is just the gaslighting, right? When when the hurt of we have this, and, and I, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get sidebar, sidebarred by this too much, but when you realize that the herd of humanity, the mainstream, is significantly wrong about anything, and you say, I'm going to step out of the herd, you are going to face opposition. And people are going to say that you're crazy. That's kind of gaslighting. You know, when, when uh, for example, I was active with Iraq Veterans Against the War, uh, one of the criticisms that we, you know, we heard repeatedly just, oh, the, those are just crazy veterans who had a bad experience in Iraq. It's just their PTSD talking. Don't worry. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan are totally righteous and justified and beautiful. <laughs> that, that's how institutions get away with evil, is by saying that anybody pointing out, hey, don't do evil, is is crazy. They must not be fully functioning mentally. They must not be all there. And so, as a libertarian, if you go to, uh, you know, if you, if you go to a mainstream uh, place for help, and, and by the way, they, they have actually pathologized questioning authority. 
There's anti-authority personality a disorder. If, if, if you are too humane, if you are too loving to simply be obedient as expected, they can now legitimately call that a disorder. And that might make it hard for you to get help. That, that would make it really hard. If, uh, if you're facing a counselor who brings their, their statist judgments into the conversation, uh, they, they might say, uh, and it might carry a particular risk, too, because counselors uh, have, have sort of uh, two competing obligations. One is privacy. If you're talking to a counselor, that counselor has an obligation to keep what you are telling them in personal information, private. But they also have an obligation. Excuse me. If you say something that sounds like an immediate threat to yourself or others, they have a responsibility to intervene, right? Uh, You can't go to a counselor and say, oh, I constantly dream about murdering my whatever coworker neighbor who's just always up my ass and I, any day I, I'm just, I'm just going to murder him now. You know, it, 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 there's a big, there's a lot of gray zone there. You know, how does a therapist determine whether or not that line has been crossed and it's appropriate to break that expectation of privacy and report things to authorities? Well, that situation gets a lot trickier when a libertarian is talking to a statist and might be using different language or describing things a different way. Or, you know, a lot of people, a lot of us are libertarians and and have mental health issues (laughs) because of our experience with government. Not just in the military, veterans, active duty, but anybody who's had a bad experience with government with cops, with prosecutors, with judges, bureaucrats, any other part of authority. And, and, uh, you know, you might be talking about them in a way where you're pointing out that they are criminal. And what makes us different as libertarians is from the mainstream, or one of the things is that the mainstream is in denial of the criminal nature of government. When a police officer arrests you for a victimless crime, they're a criminal. When you smoke pot and a cop grabs you and puts you in handcuffs and then locks you in a cage, even if it's just overnight, that cop is guilty of assault, battery, and kidnapping. Probably fraud. Uh, There are a lot of other moral crimes we could attach to this. Uh, but if you live in a world where, and, and this is this is most of humanity, uh, unfortunately, at least as, they, as concerns government, they, they live in a world where there's this moral exception for government, where if you, you do evil things in the name of government, it's not evil. And that might make it really hard for uh, a libertarian to feel comfortable seeking help through uh, a mainstream channel or at least raise an extra 
liability with that. And another one is that, especially today, uh, under the cloud of the coronavirus, there are uh, a lot of a lot of therapy sessions that are taking place remotely by phone and by video conference. And a lot the other thing, even with these Snowden revelations, most Americans are still generally in denial about how much they're being watched. Now, I don't know. Maybe I'm being unnecessarily pessimistic on this particular point. I don't know if someone wants to find some statistics on this, you know, how many Americans understand that none of their digital communications are secure, that the government has a backdoor to everything, that unless you're doing end-to-end offline air-gapped encryption, if you don't know what that is, then tough shit. Uh, I'm not going to explain it on this episode, but if, if you're not at that level of encryption security, uh, the governments can, can, they have backdoors to all your devices, to all your connections. Um, even a VPN won't do you any good. A virtual private network that's sending out encoded data, if there's a, if there's a spy virus, I mean, the virus isn't the right word, if there's, a, uh, if there's spyware on your phone or on your computer, where they can see the data before you encrypt it and send it, <laughs> and then and then send it to their their servers, uh, you know, unencrypted. So there are all of these reasons why, as a libertarian, you might feel a little more isolated or cut off from the mainstream resources for suicide, and. I have to tell you, it's, it is absolutely, absolutely worth the little extra effort to find a way around those challenges, uh, especially right now. Uh, most counties in America, every state in America has a well-organized Libertarian Party organization. Most counties I think except, uh, it might not be most because, like, Georgia screws it up. Georgia is cut up into, like, a thousand tiny counties or something like that. Uh, but regions, you know, I think with local organizations, we have most of the country covered. And, and a lot of, a lot like, in here in Yavapai County, uh, I haven't been to any of the meetings lately, but I, I did see uh, our chair, Tim, uh, Tim Benjamin at the Joe Jorgensen rally in, in Scottsdale last weekend. Uh, and they're meeting in a park so that people can distance and they can be outside, but they're still meeting. And, and, I, and I would say that uh, I think with confidence, pretty much every libertarian in America, even today, is within comfortable driving distance of a regular libertarian gathering. And if you if you lower your standard to say driving distance of another libertarian, that's that's Unless you're, uh, unless your libertarianism led you to live in a cabin in the middle of Alaska, in which case you're probably okay. Uh, you know, you, you are. We're out there. We're everywhere. So, you know, if you feel like in the need, if you feel the need uh, to talk to someone about suicide uh, or or just, you know, and, and again, you don't don't. You don't have to talk about suicide. You can just talk about whatever issues that you're dealing with that are, you know, in your head that are reducing your quality of life. 
reach out to a fellow libertarian. Um, and if, if you tell them, uh, you know, I want to have an off-the-record conversation, that's actually relatively easy. You know, you put your cell phones in a drawer or leave them in the car and go for a walk and, and create that space for yourself where you feel comfortable opening up. So uh, a couple more comments from the Producers Club right now. Uh, Chris also wants to say divorce and being separated from your children by courts has become a mainstream norm, killing and destroying lives. Um, Mercedes and I, are, this is from CJ, are on the XCOM of our respective libertarian state parties. Uh, I'm the East River Regional Coordinator. Mercedes is the secretary of our county party, I believe. And uh, I, I really think that, that we can step up our game as, as a movement, as a party, as a community, by making these ways that uh, people can connect with each other on issues that, uh, in, in a sense, in and of themselves, uh, are completely, have, you know, really have nothing to do with, with libertarianism. So, uh Jim, you want to throw up some comments before I get into the first headline and get into some of these more uh, specific issues around corona and suicide? Uh, are there, are there, you can see, uh, 1054, any large-scale stat can be massaged. Yeah, 2020 verifies this. Yeah, so thank you for the reminder, 1054. I would just, it's really important. I haven't said this in a while. I, mean, I, really, I really do like to remind people this because it is, in in the spirit of what we do in understanding the world with Adam versus the man, I, I, I want to remind people every chance I get, 86.39578608675309% of all statistics are bullshit made up to manipulate you. Yeah, did you catch that? So if you, uh, you know, you see these statistics, especially 2020, uh, yeah, it is, it is really important to, to analyze and see through them. And that's a, that's a big part of what we're going to do with the show today. Um, you know, I, I do want to sort of cover the news uh, around this issue of, of corona and statistics and suicide. But I don't think I would be responsible in doing so without making this uh, a bigger issue or a bigger episode about mental health and getting into all this. Vincent Willis on Facebook comments, a microwave is a good place to put your phone. <laughs> don't turn the microwave on, though. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you put your phone in the microwave and close the door. Uh, you, you do have a little soundproof space. But, yeah, the point of, uh, you know, it's it's, the idea here, in case I didn't make it clear enough, is that your cell phone can be used as a passive listening device to spy on you. Uh, and by the way, I should say walk away from any Echo Dots or Amazon Alexa devices or smart home things like that that might be eavesdropping to create a uh, you know digital microphone-free space. If you put your cell phone in a drawer, you're not accidentally going to cook it when you're done talking, and and that should I mean you don't you know it's cover the microphone, you know with your phone in your pocket if you're talking even then like it's it's it might not pick up clear audio but if you have your cell phone sitting on the table in front of you and you're it, it, it could be 
uh, it could be used against you that way. Um, so yeah, leave it in the car, walk away from it, put it in a drawer. Uh, thanks for the suggestion, but I would, I would vote against putting your phone in the microwave, but thank you for the, for raising that and making it more explicit. Craig Doherty writes on Facebook, I feel like most people are willing to help others if they know there is a need in someone's life. So Craig, thank you. Thank you for raising that issue because I, I, I want everyone in our audience you know, I want to say each one reach one or, you know, come up with some kind of silly slogan like that. But I, and I, I want to remind people every episode, like, is, is there, is there someone in your life who might have a deficiency of love right now? Is there someone you can reach out to and be there for? Uh, is there a, a veteran in your life who you haven't heard from for a while? Is there someone in your neighborhood who might be struggling financially and would really appreciate you giving them an, like, giving them, an hour a day to, to help with some chore they're struggling with or, you know, borrow tools that are going to make their life uh, a lot easier. You know, all these little things, but just, you know, reach out and, and, and connect with your neighbors, uh, connect with people around you. And it might be as simple as, like, you know, like I I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to reveal too much, you know, in, in my own life about, the, you know, the privacy of people around me. But for example, I have, uh, you know, because I live, I live in Juniperwood Ranch in Arizona. I love it here. I love this community. I live down three miles of, of private dirt road. And there are a lot of people who come out here to be left alone, totally left alone. Um, and, and for me, I don't, I don't like that. Don't just leave me alone kind of part of libertarianism. No, like, don't leave me alone. Engage with me, but with respect for my rights. I want to live in a world with a vibrant market where people are connected. And so I separate from the mainstream living out here with the idea that now I get more control over my relationships. I have pushed out and minimized the impact of coercive relationships in my life so that I can bring in more beautiful, cooperative, voluntary relationships. All right. Fina Benoen says, uh, eavesdrop on this poop to your phone activities from the little yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so the article that, that, that prompted me to get into this, to really examine uh, the issue of suicide as it relates to the statistics in Corona, was from statnews.com. Amid pandemic, U.S. has seen 300,000 excess deaths with highest rates among people of color. Now, from from the beginning of this pandemic, you know, I've I've been telling you, you know, we 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 have to wait until we have better statistics to really measure this thing, and, and we don't have this, this the decisive statistics yet, and that in and of itself is really disturbing. In a couple of the stories we're going to cover today, uh, they will point out that uh, suicide statistics are often delayed two years. They can figure out corona deaths before they even happen with numbers that they're going to blast all across the mainstream media. But when it comes to a real problem that they want to sweep under the rug, oh no, it's just, it, it just you know, with, with coroners and figuring out legal, oh, it just takes us a little while to compile that data. Really? Bullshit. 
But the bigger numbers to keep in mind here are that uh, the population of the United States is about 330 million. And about 7,500 people die on a regular day in the United States pre-corona. That's just our, our, our death rate, our turnover rate. So it, it, what I've been saying, I said this months ago, is that, you know, if this thing is entirely a hoax and nobody extra is dying, if, if they're just taking people who are dying from pneumonia or old age and saying that they're de- dying with the virus or, or they're saying that they're dying from the virus when, when they're really just dying with it or not at all or based on false positives and, um, I don't, I don't want to cite this, and I'm, I hesitate to say this on the air at all, uh, but I, I have uh, heard that in some places the, the tests they're using have over 50% false positive. I don't know about that. I don't have the source on that, but uh, I, I have cited sources that have said certain tests being promoted by government have a one-third false positive rate. And I, you know, I'm I'm kind of afraid to take that test myself now, um, having taken one before and, and tested positive, or sorry, negative for both the virus and the antibodies. But what, you know, what if they tell me that I've taken the test and now I've got like a scarlet letter on me because you're uh, you're never going to get the proper uh, immunal, uh, immunity to it? So uh, CJ's got these mortality. In the United States from 2018 statistics, total deaths in the year was 2.8 million. Death rate, 867.8 deaths per 100,000 population. I mean, that makes sense. You know, if, you know the, if, if the average life expectancy is 100, you have 100,000 people, one in 100 people are going to die every year. Okay. Uh, but the actual life expectancy as it comes out, according to this statistic anyway, 78.7 years, infant mortality rate, just 5.66 deaths per 1,000 life births. Thank you, CJ. That's some some good perspective on this. So with this pandemic, uh, this 300,000, so, excuse me, this excess death statistic, this is the latest in, in corona propaganda. And so part of my journalistic responsibility today is to check the mainstream narrative. Hey, we're banned on YouTube anyway. Might as well challenge authority for once, right? This is Adam versus the man, after all. So uh, I, I just want to point out first that, okay, finishing the thought. If, if you know, 7,500 people die every day in America is a relatively consistent line. I mean, it's not, it's not perfectly flat. It, it increases as the population increases, of course. Um, and, and it sort of decreases, I mean, it doesn't actually go down, but, uh, you know, it doesn't go up as much proportion of population as life expectancy goes up and death rates go down because of medical technology and just people taking care of themselves better. Um, so by the way, don't forget, we are, I am going to do my vitamin junkie segment today. I do have to, I didn't bring, I forgot bringing it to the studio. I'm going to have to let Jim take over and run over to my, uh, to, to where I've got my vitamins and come back. But, uh, yeah, Jim, don't let me forget that if we get towards the end of the show. So if, if you, you know, saw that that, that death rate was, was flat over the course of the, the whole coronavirus pandemic, you go, oh, my gosh, this whole thing is a total hoax. It's had no impact on, on death rates whatsoever. 
But I knew that wasn't going to be true because, I mean, come on, the virus is real. As far I mean, I, and, and there are some people out there who say the virus itself isn't real and that, that all the, the tests are false positives. <clears throat> I, it could be. I'm not going down that particular conspiracy rabbit hole. I think for now it, it, it's a reasonable conclusion that the virus is real, but that it is not a unique threat. I mean, it's unique and it's a threat, but in terms of the scale, it's really on par uh, and sort of best described as a funky off-season flu. And this is partly from my, my reading of, of, of Dr. Ron Paul early on in this pandemic. Is What he said is, wait, wait until these numbers come out. You're going to see a decrease in deaths due to pneumonia or due to the flu because they're going to count those as COVID deaths now. So the big mainstream narrative that they're trying to spin out of this story excuse me, is that the official COVID-19 fatalities rate is about 220,000 right now. And they're going to say it's not fully inclusive. Now, if you look at this simplicity, the mainstream media, they don't have to lie about the fact that they can lie in their interpretation and their their spin and their perspective on this. And what, what they want you to do is is look at these numbers and say, oh, wow, uh, 220,000 have died from COVID-19 officially, but 300,000 people have died since. So here's, here's what this 300,000 number represents. Research, researchers at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have found that nearly 300,000 people, more people in the United States died from late January to early October this year compared to the average number of people who died in recent years. Now, first of all, this statistic has to be questioned before you proceed to make any conclusions based on it. And this 300,000 more people die in the United States compared to the average number of people who died in recent years. Well, all, that's a big number, and I don't mean that the size itself is big, but there's so many factors going into this to say, well, it's because of COVID. Is, is really dangerously naive and, and, and unscientific. So if you, if, if you accept this number, uh, 300,000 more people died in the United States from late January to early October this year compared to the average number of people who died in recent years. It's tempting to say, well, the only thing that's different is COVID, so it's all COVID. Well, first of all, part of that is going to be due to population increase. Part of that is going to be due to other health trends. Part of that is going to be due to uh, certain dynamics within our aging population. So even that has to be questioned. But for, for today, uh, for, for the sake of understanding this uh, and, and making this point, I, I don't even have to challenge it. So we're going to go ahead and accept this. I mean, with the caveat that, yes, it, it, it will probably be revised and we'll have better statistical analysis of this in the future. So the story says also just two-thirds of those deaths were counted as COVID-19 fatalities, highlighting how the official U.S. death count now staying at about 220,000 is not fully inclusive. <laughs> and if you're a regular viewer of Adam versus the Man or anybody who reads between the lines of the mainstream media, if you have the luxury that I do uh, of putting so much time into these topics, 
you might know that that number of 220,000, when they say it's not fully inclusive, is actually over-inclusive. Now, what they want you to believe uh, is that the other 80,000 or so deaths this year that are extra deaths are people who died of corona that weren't counted. They want the story to be simplified down to that so that we think, oh, wow, the real numbers are even higher. And they're, they're making a, a fair case for this intellectually, saying that, well, you know, there are a lot of people who never got tested who died during this time. True. They're saying that there are a lot of people who died because they didn't have access to medical, medical care, who were afraid to get out, who stayed home. And, and that's true. So if you look at these 300,000, if we accept that there are 300,000 people who died from January to October who would not have died otherwise or, or under the conditions of 2019, and you say, okay, 220,000 of those are designated as COVID deaths, of the other 80,000, they want you to believe that most of those, if not all of those, are also COVID deaths. And some of them are. I, I wouldn't, you know, if, if, if everything I, I know holds true, my assumptions are correct, then, yeah, there are probably a handful of those who, uh, who died of corona who never got counted. However, you got to go the other way here and look at this other number before you can even make those projections into the other numbers. And the main one, I, I, I'm all, you know, you all know my favorite story about Corona, that there was that skydiver whose parachute failed to open, and right before he hit the ground, he died from coronavirus. And that's a joke, obviously. But there was at least one serious case uh, that, that we, we, made, we, we covered where there was a guy who was shot in the head, obviously died from gunshot wounds to the head, who uh, his body afterwards, they did a blood test on his dead body and showed that he had corona, and they listed it as a corona death. Yeah. So, like I said, that 220,000 number is significantly over-inclusive. But how over-inclusive is it? In the cases of stories like getting shot in the head and listed as a COVID death, we don't know and might never know. Uh, another one, there was a motorcycle death, motorcycle accident death. And with so many Americans allegedly running around with COVID who are completely asymptomatic, someone dies from whatever other reason uh, if they test positive for corona and the medical institution handling their records uh, has been told that, hey, you're going to get an extra so many thousands of dollars for every coronavirus death in your area. There's, yeah. I don't think I have to point it out like it's news that, yeah, people are dishonest. Uh, and I'm not saying people overall, but, yes, there are there are dishonest people. There are plenty of dishonest people out there who will respond to such incentives and manipulate the data. But don't worry, hold on, I'm going to connect this to the suicide thing, because some of these stories will say, 
that they uh, here's uh, but the three hundred thousand number probably also includes people who died because they were scared to seek out medical care because of the pandemic or had their care interrupted and because of other causes. One limitation of the study, the researchers noted was that the U.S. population is growing and getting older, so more deaths might have occurred in 2020 versus recent years without a pandemic, making a direct comparison harder. Um, deaths among white people in 2020 were just 11.9% higher than average years, a much lower increase in deaths among Latinx people, 53.6% higher than average. That is insane how much bigger that is. Asian Americans, 36.6. Black, 32.9. American Indians and Alaskan Natives, 28.9. And the study of the researchers wrote, quote, these disproportionate increases among certain racial and ethnic groups are consistent with noted disparities in COVID-19 mortality. But let's, let's before we come back to pick apart these numbers, a few other numbers regarding suicide that I want to bring into this conversation. First of all, we go to the Wikipedia for suicide in the United States. Uh, we'll see. Um, suicide in the United States. Suicide is a major national public health issue in the U.S. The country has one of the highest suicide rates among wealthy nations. In 2018, there were 48,344 recorded suicides up from 42,773 in 2014, according to the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics. On average, adjusted for age, the annual U.S. suicide rate increased 24% between 1999 and 2014, from 10.5 to 13 suicides per 100,000 people. So it's the highest rate recorded in 28 years. So it's, it's worth noting that here in the United States, Suicide isn't just going up, and I, and I don't mean just in 2020, but in, in sort of recent history. It's not just going up in proportion of the population. The rate of suicide is going up. Now, uh, so, but we can look at this number for, from 2018 and say that, you know, current sort of baseline for suicides in the United States is, is roughly 50,000. But that's, again reported, counted suicides that family members were not allowed or, or able to uh, to misreport as, as accidental deaths of some kind. By the way, um, there is one phenomena, <laughs> it's kind of a funny aside, uh, where this goes the other direction. And uh, you didn't think I was going to make it through an entire episode without talking about jerking off, did you? Uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is where you choke yourself to limit your oxygen while masturbating to increase the intensity of your orgasm. And um, who is that famous actor? There's a famous actor, the guy who was in Kill Bill, uh, who, who I think was in a in a hotel in, in in Thailand or something, was found dead from autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, if, if, uh, and by the way, one of, one of our more successful videos on our, our YouTube channel and geez, it would be really interesting to see if this one is still up there, uh, because it, it did get, uh, it did get censored actually for copyright when, uh, do you remember when, uh, Robin Williams committed suicide 
and was found under very suspicious circumstances. Uh, even, you know, the physicality uh, of his death as described, uh, they, they tried to, I think they tried to pass it off as uh, he, he hung himself with a belt attached to a doorknob. And you, you hang yourself by slouching way down. No, I mean, it was, this was kind of like uh, an obvious, oh yeah, pull up his pants and say it was suicide instead of a masturbation accident. Uh, or, or maybe make it look like, like some other kind of accident. The crazy thing is about this, and the reason I got the copyright strike on this video, that, that got uh, more than, than, a, than a, a quarter million views, like in the first week it was up, is because I used a clip from one of Robin Williams' movies. Uh, I think it's called Dad of, or Father of the Year. Because in the movie, uh, he finds his son dead from an autoerotic asphyxiation accident and then makes it look like, a, like he hung himself in the closet. Um, sometimes life imitates art. Um, let's see, if I go to my videos, let's see, I was, I was on my YouTube channel for something else. Um, I, I should just get back to the main topic here, right? So, back to the, uh, the Wikipedia page for, uh, for, for suicides. This, uh, you look at, so, so see, if you pull up some of the graphics of your total suicides in the United States, the first thing they do is, a uh, is a gender breakdown, and men. Uh, it turns out that that are are uh, I think due to the the modern particular uh, unique social pressures placed on men and the uh, promotion of violence. Although there are a lot of other factors you could uh, tease out in, uh, in 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 the statistics. This is generally a male phenomena. Uh, the, the rate among suicides for males versus females, uh, it's about three times as much uh, for men. So something like three quarters of suicides, and, and maybe as, as we're going through through this, we'll, we'll, we'll get the actual number, but it's worth pointing out that uh, this is a, a primarily male phenomena. And uh, actually, if you look at the breakdown, they have this uh, uh, by race, um, and uh, the, the the graph on the Wikipedia page, you see the uh, the red and green lines are at the top, and that's uh, white and non-Hispanic white, and then the blue line right underneath that is total. The other line underneath that is American Indian. So it's it's whites. And Native Americans, <clears throat> but even even whites beat the Native Americans on this. Then if you look at Asian, Hispanic, and other, those are the three lower lines on the graph. So I'm sorry, people, but you're going to have to let the white men have this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, suicide. It's it's it is worth understanding that at least in the United States, it is a uh, not exclusively, but a primarily white male phenomena, which is, which is why it's so disturbing, actually, that uh, among younger groups, 
that changes. Uh, and as we learned from the documentary, The Social Dilemma, that one of the disturbing trends in suicides is an increase among girls, not just young women. I, I'll say young women. Um, among teenage girls or, or teenage women, I, I don't care what the politically correct term is here, uh, but in, in what, what they showed was that in girls aged uh, 10 to 14, just in the last few years, suicide has become uh, a phenomenon that has reached into that age group thanks to the pressures of social media. But uh, among uh, female teenagers, 14 to 18, it is also uh, where it was a problem before anyway, has gone way up. So uh, as CJ has on the screen here, men are far more likely to die by suicide. Um, and then I love this. Yeah, have the courage to help a buddy. Now, don't worry, CJ. We're going to get back to the practical stuff and reaching out and, and how to help people. But I, I got to get through this, the, the, the statistical analysis to put this in context of, of, of our current situation and, and how it relates to COVID and how badly we're being lied to about all of this. So back to the uh, the 300,000 excess death stories. To this number, 220,000. What do we have to do to put a check on this one? Remind you simply of one other CDC statistic that came out recently that told us that only 6% of listed COVID deaths were due exclusively to COVID. Now, I think they're going to kind of have to put that stat out eventually anyway. They're not going to be able to hide that. But it's kind of bait for the, the virus deniers to ignore science. And, and, and so I have to point out something here because you want to say, oh, look, Adam, of the 200,000, COVID deaths, and this is when, when the number was 200, now it's 200. Only 6% of them died exclusively from COVID. Now, the uh, pro-coronaphobia people will point out, well, Adam, for the other 94%, they tested positive for it. It must have been a contributing factor. But here's the question that we don't really have the answer to yet for statistics, and this is, Again, one of the disturbing things about it, it really should wake you the fuck up that we are be, that information is being hit from us about this. Why don't we have a better understanding? Because government. Okay, so you, you, you look at those 6% and you can say, okay, of the people who died with COVID, only 6% of them died exclusively from COVID. And that exclusive point is really important because of the other 94%, how many of them died just with COVID, where it was either a minor, insignificant, or total non-factor in their death, versus how many for, for whom was it a major contributing factor? And, and, I, and I've done some research on this, try to guess. And, you know, a lot of my sources are bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'll admit that. Uh, I have to interpret government statistics. I, I have to put them in context. I have to question things like that. But maybe it's about half. You know, I mean, let's say, let, let's, I mean, let's give them some credit here, right? Uh, and, and, and if it's about half, 
Uh, and, and let's say it's about half overall of the reported COVID deaths are uh, legitimate COVID deaths, kind of being inclusive uh, of, uh, uh, you know, conservative and including, you know, people, old people who died, who were about to die, but died a little earlier because of COVID. Let's, let's count those as COVID deaths even, right? Uh, the guy who was about to die from diabetic complications and then got COVID and it sort of, you know, maybe barely pushed him over the edge. That's not, I'm not counting up. That's not a COVID death in, in the way I'm, I'm differentiating this here. Um, so if that's the case, then you got to say, well, of, then this excess 100,000, how many of those are, are COVID that's underreported? Probably not very many. Because those bodies, they all get tested now. And I, I don't know, I'm sure there's some jurisdictions where they don't. But given the financial incentives, if you're a coroner, you're going to test everybody who comes through your facility for COVID, everybody. You're going to test everybody. Not everybody. Literally everybody, every dead body that goes through your facility is going to get tested for COVID. And that's going to hugely distort these these death numbers. So... Now we got we got to look at this, you know, sort of excess hundred thousand, right? Well, you know, I, like again, back to the, the the Ron Paul statistical analysis. If they say, hey, pneumonia deaths went down, but COVID deaths went up, you're going to go, uh-huh, no, there's there, there's some serious misattribution happening here. But for the suicide, we have to estimate. And we have brought you a number of limited data points where some people have, in in certain jurisdictions, we have had medical professionals, doctors working in emergency rooms and in hospitals, saying that they are already seeing more deaths from suicide than corona. So, again, you know, the, the, the simple mainstream narrative that they want you to get out of these headlines is that the official number of 220,000, you really got to tack on another 50% to that, and that's how many people are dying from COVID. And that is absolute nonsense for a lot of reasons. One, because we know that suicide is up, and it's not because of COVID. It's because of the government response. So what would be, so so if, if we look at this number of two hundred twenty thousand, and and again we give them you know hey let, let's give you credit let's CDC and and all you bullshitters let's let's say that half of those are are truly COVID deaths, so that gets us to one hundred and ten thousand out of the three hundred thousand excess deaths. So let's say how many of those other deaths could be counted as uh, as corona deaths that are not being reported. Probably not very many. But, you know, and, and by the way, if we, when you take the numbers down like that, you go, oh, yeah, Trump was right from the beginning. And then he, then he was horrifically wrong from the point at which he declared a national state of emergency on. And and it's killed a lot of people with that. I mean, indirectly, um, probably unintentionally in terms of causing these suicides. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, let's say those other 100,000, 
I mean, let's 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 say if if, if forty thousand of those, forty percent, just you know, rough number, are actual COVID deaths that have not been reported. That gets you to 150,000. That means the other half are not from COVID, are probably from from suicide. So let's let now you say, Adam, how can you say that you know suicide is up? Could, could, I mean, can we make that case that that if over this period of time and it's it's less than a year, I got it, January, October, we're only talking about 10 months. But if your annual suicide rate is 50,000, Adam. Can you really make the case that suicide rates have tripled under corona? Yeah, I can. Our next story is from The Economist, economist.com. Will the economic and psychological costs of COVID-19 increase suicides? It is too early to say, but the signs are ominous. When America's CDC carried out a survey this summer, it found that one in ten of the 5,400 respondents had seriously considered suicide in the previous month, about twice as many who had thought about taking their lives in 2018 for young adults, 18 to 24. The proportion was an astonishing one in four. The increase in suicides around corona is not from people afraid of the virus. Remember, the mortality rates among people in these lower age groups are insignificant. It would be one thing if this was a really bad virus. And, and, and by the way, I've seen them try to push this bullshit in the mainstream media. That some of the, well, Adam, some of the suicides really are just because of COVID. They have nothing to do with economic desperation. It's someone who's a, so afraid of getting the virus, they'd rather commit suicide than, than, than get sick. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. Your worst fear-mongering has not led to that level of fear over the virus. And I will admit, there probably are a few marginal cases of people in hospitals, uh, and don't worry, those are getting counted as COVID deaths, where someone is dying from COVID, uh, and, uh, you know, or complications, pneumonia, and they're really miserable. And they don't. The thing is, when people are in those situations, there are a lot of people who have been, like, about to die from corona, and come back. It's not a terminal, you know, it's a disease in the sense that you get it and it just gets worse over time. And if it gets painful, there's no hope and you might as well kill yourself. It's not that kind of disease. So to whatever extent there are actual disease-caused suicides, not a significant number. All right. But the suicidal ideations are statistics that we have that are pretty current as opposed to the actual suicide counts. So think about this. Twice as many Americans thought of taking their lives in 2020 than in 2018. And that's even higher among young adults. The survey published in August was one of a growing number of warnings about the toll that the pandemic is taking on the mental health of people for legions, the coronavirus has upended or outright eliminated work, schooling, and religious services on top of that. Lockdowns and other types of social distancing have aggravated loneliness and depression for many. Now, there, there is one other significant portion. i got to go back to the statistics for a second here. 
there is, is one other significant portion of these excess deaths. It's not as simple as I'm suggesting that it's, it's half corona and, and half suicides. Because there are a lot of people who have died this year because their surgical operations that were scheduled were deemed non-essential and were postponed, but then they became essential and then they weren't able to get uh, a life-saving procedure. Or they, uh, you know, and and actually I experienced this myself through the VA, Um, lowered access to doctors, people afraid to go to doctors, uh, lowered access to prescription medications. Those are major contributing factors to people who are dying this year from neither COVID nor suicide. But think about those deaths. You can't blame the, the virus for them. You can't blame, hey, there was a virus. We had a normal response. We had a, a rational, proper response. And in, in order to shift medical uh, resources to deal with this outbreak, unfortunately, some services were less available to others, and a few people died because of that. And if it was that, it would be it would be a lot smaller of a number. Uh, but it is it is pretty significant, and it's and yes, you can blame government for this because government dictated medical policy, and for a lot of hospitals, they were ordered to basically shut down everything that wasn't COVID. Well, no shit, that's going to have negative health consequences. <clears throat> now, how much of that? Is, is, is part of this 300,000 number. Um, yeah, I, I would guess, I mean, off the top of my head, somewhere around 10,000. Now, this is, now Jim, you haven't put any comments on screen for a while here. I, I hope that people in the audience are, are questioning and challenging me on this and pointing out other uh, relevant statistical insights as we try to, to understand this 300,000 number. Because I know I'm missing stuff. You know, this is one of the things I value most about having a, a live audience is that, you know, if I miss something or if I get something wrong, people will question me or challenge me. So, you know, we've, we've only got, you know, a little over 20 minutes left in the show today. So I really want to encourage people, if you're watching, please comment. Help us understand these statistics. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get through the statistics part of this uh, pretty quickly here and get, uh, you know, to, to, to wrap up with some more practical things that we can do to, to, to help each other out. So uh, the, the article goes on here from The Economist. But are people acting on suicidal thoughts? It is too early to be sure. Now, here is how they are acting. For one thing, calls to suicide hotlines are up. Some in America have seen the volume multiply eightfold, says Sally Curtin, a suicide expert at the CDC. The number of young people seeking help has risen as has the proportion in extreme distress, notes Brenda Schofield, chairwoman of Samaritans, a hotline charity in Hong Kong. Talkspace, a New York firm that provides online therapy, says that video sessions have increased by 250% during the pandemic. The number of patients with severe anxiety is up by 40%, a leap unprecedented in Talkspace's nine years of business, Neil Leibovitz. As chief medical officer expects this to translate into what he euphemistically calls a lot of downstream effects. Now, 
it would be simplistic to say, well, if calls for suicide hotlines go up eight times, then the suicide rate is going to go up eight times. Right? It's not. It's not nearly. The, the downstream effects are not sort of one to one that way. But if it were, you had typical year of American suicides being about fifty thousand. You go times eight. Now we're talking four hundred thousand. So to say that it's you know half of these deaths that you know you bring that down maybe it's only one hundred and fifty thousand of the excess deaths. Uh, yeah, that's very reasonable. Uh, video sessions increased by two hundred and fifty percent. So going up uh, you know three and a half times what they normally are. Two hundred fifty percent increase. So now now we get into you know, maybe more realistic numbers, right? If it's if it's three and a half times fifty thousand, now you're talking about one hundred and seventy-five thousand, and that now we're looking at the majority of those deaths. Um, an initial tally of so looking looking around the world, um, and there, there are a few as a few preliminary estimates of suicides during the pandemic have emerged. Excuse me for my my wet nose this morning. Uh, Though the figures will be revised, they bode ill. An initial tally of suicides in Japan in August put the number at 1,849, a jump of 15.3% over the same period last year, the health ministry has reported. <clears throat> now, that's pretty low, right? A 15% increase. That I mean, that would suggest 15% over 50,000, you know, but that's, that's – Japan is not experiencing the same economic – forced unemployment crisis and impending slow rollout eviction crisis that we're experiencing in the United States. We also do mental health pretty fucked up in this country in a way that's going to contribute this. In Nepal, the National Police Force already said suicides seem to have gone up by a fifth, you know, so 20%. Um... And I don't, I, we, we don't have to get too much into these numbers because it, it, it's somewhere, you know, we, we still don't, we still don't know. Um, now, <clears throat> just for, for bigger historical perspective about the strains from the economic situation, which we covered recently uh, with, with the headline that uh, from NBC saying that there are now 8 million more Americans living below the poverty line than before. Uh, and that's, 55 million up to 63 million now. And, they, you know, these are all big bullshit, you know, very rounded and manipulated numbers. But it, 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 when, when you go, okay, there were 55 million people living in poverty, and now there's 63 million people living in poverty in the United States. There's also a huge decline in quality of life for, uh, for those 55 million who are already below the poverty line. So one more thing to share from this Lancet story. A study in the Lancet, a medical journal, equates a 1% rise in unemployment with a 0.79% climb in suicide in Europe and a 0.99%, so a 1% rise in unemployment leads to a 1% increase in suicide in America where jobless benefits have often been less generous and guns are readily available. So here, this gives us a potential indicator that might be a little more realistic and a lot lower. Uh, but sort of in in proportion with this 300,000 number. 
Um, if a 1% rise in unemployment leads to an, a, a 1% increase in suicides, uh, and, and we've covered the, the shadow stats on unemployment because they stop counting you if you stop looking for a job actively according to whatever metric government says qualifies as looking for a job. And, you know, that the, the real unemployment rate, you know, went from something in the neighborhood of 10. And, again, different ways you can count this. But with the forced unemployment crisis that happened following Trump's declaration of a national state of emergency on March 13th this year, the, the, the real unemployment rate went from somewhere around 10% to somewhere around 30%. So 20% increase, roughly should lead to at least a 20% increase in suicides. And, and that would be if, if the suicide uh, or, or if the unemployment crisis were the only aggravating factor, it's not. Nowhere close. Uh, because not only do you have to worry about the virus itself, if, you're, if you've been led to be afraid of that, uh, you have to worry about getting benefits if you're going to be able to take care of your family. You have to worry about all the additional stresses of, of staying at home and being cooped up and being lonely and isolated. You also have to worry about the legal consequences and the Karens out there who call the cops on their neighbors for talking on their front lawns uh, without wearing masks. We've seen that happen. Uh, we, we've seen public fist fights over wearing of masks. And and now just you have to go out in public and wear I mean, I, you don't have to. I, I don't do it. Um, uh, at least never proactively. Sometimes when, when demanded or out of respect for an individual, I will always, if I'm in someone's vicinity and they say, sir, would you please, for the sake of my hygiene standards, do X, Y, Z, if I want to stand around them, then I'm, I'll, I'll be respectful of their standards. But, uh, you know, I don't wear... I, well, when I don't wear a mask in public, you know, I, which is basically all the time, um, you know, going to gas stations or Walmart or Home Depot, places like that, you know, major just commercial stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, I often, uh, well, here in my local gas station in Ashford, it's like the virus isn't happening. Tourists come through with masks and they're like, what, the virus isn't a thing here? It's really nice. But even just an hour away to Flagstaff or Prescott, it's fucking zombie land where, you know, I'm about uh, the only one, or, or me and, and, and Jim, uh, if, we're, if we're shopping together, which is, like, for hardware, often the case, uh, we're the only ones not wearing masks. And uh, that, that is, it, it is kind of scary. So there are a lot of other factors here. But if it, if it was 20%, right, we'd see, you know, and the average year is 50,000, then it's, maybe it's only another 10,000 suicides directly caused by unemployment. At least that's what, what this statistic uh, would suggest. Now, another place where we see an increase in suicides where the numbers are more immediately available is in the military. This headline from ABC, abcnews.go.com, Pentagon urges caution in linking steep increase in Army suicides to pandemic. And this is like, uh, yeah, hey guys, be more scientific. Let's Let's, let's be careful about, you know, correlation versus causation and, and, and you know, not jump to conclusions because that's what we're all about in the military. Right. Okay. 
So if it's not that, like, we're, oh, no, 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 it's not. This is really interesting to hear, the, to, to hear the government say this. Oh, no, military suicides, it's not because of COVID. It's because the military makes people want to kill themselves. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's so much more of a relief. Thanks, military. No, so, but here's, here's, the, uh, here's the stat. Army active duty suicides are up 30% during the same time frame as COVID-19. Now, I would suppose that, that given the situation, first of all, no one in the military lost their jobs. Think about that for a second. Not a single person in the U.S. military lost their job due to COVID-19. Those are essential jobs, people. Yeah. Uh, now, maybe, maybe you could say around the fringes, someone lost their jobs. Or, but I will say, let, let me rephrase it this way, and then it's iron flat. Not a single military job was eliminated due to COVID-19. And yet, during that time, military suicides went up 30%. So you take that indicator, and I, and I would assume that if the, that 30% increase in suicide is due to stress and, and stuff around corona, you know, government response to corona, then that would also create an additional factor, uh, would create a, and it would be higher in the general population than in the military. Then the military as a community has better ways to cope with the stresses of COVID, and yet there is a 30% spike in the number of active duty Army suicides over this past spring and summer. Pentagon officials are not ready to link the increase to the coronavirus pandemic. The officials said no conclusive determination can be made right now that the increase in Army suicides this summer is tied to the pandemic or that it could lead to an increase in the military's overall suicide rate for this year. Oh, yeah, we're the military. We could, like, totally turn things around and have nobody commit suicide for the rest of the year and bring our statistics back down to norm. Yeah, we're, no, you're not that good. Go fuck yourselves. So uh, there's, there's a lot of denial, right, about what this represents. But let's assume that the civilian population is just as good at dealing with suicide as the active duty military, right? For for an, an additional stressor like this. Remember, suicide, uh, you know, being an older white male kind of phenomena, um, you would think that, uh, again, with this younger group of people in the military, you're young, you're in the military, what strain or stress from corona is going to cause you to commit suicide now? But okay, so let's say let's just but let's let's be very conservative. Let's say let, let's forget let's let's leave that factor out of things and say if there's a thirty percent increase in active duty army suicides, then and the stressor of that is general corona stress, not counting job loss. And remember the, the job loss thing. There's so much other economic suppression around this affecting other people. People who didn't lose their jobs but lost their homes, lost their cars because their income went down, and that kind of economic desperation can be more stressful for some people uh, than than losing their jobs. 
So if, if it's a 30% increase in the army this year, well, what would a 30% increase in the general population be? Well, 30% of 50,000 uh, regular suicide deaths would be 15,000. You go on top of, say, the, uh, what, what did we say, the, the you know, 1% increase in unemployment would be a 1% increase in suicide. So we have 20% increase from the 20% increase from the forced unemployment crisis. Again, round numbers, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, so you got 10,000 plus 15,000. Now we're at 25,000. Starting to, starting to chip away at these numbers, right? So it, it, at very least, it would be reasonable to extrapolate just from this military number and from the prior unemployment-based statistics that at least 25,000 of those 300,000 deaths are suicide. And I'm, I'm going to guess it's a lot more. But I think I think because we see then eightfold increase in people seeking help, two hundred fifty percent increase in people getting treatment, and this is when treatment is hard to come by. And even among non-libertarians, a lot of them are reluctant to seek help over digital means of communication because they know that shit's being recorded, or they're not comfortable doing therapy by video conference for whatever reason. And that's that's totally understandable. So I, I, we got a few more stories with statistics, and, and we will wrap this up. But uh, CNN.com has the, our next headline. U.S. sees 20% more deaths than expected this year, most due to COVID-19 research fines. Now, again, very misleading headline. Because we don't know how many of the not 6%, the other 94% of listed COVID deaths are actually primarily due to COVID. But 20% more deaths than expected. That's a 300,000 number. And a CNN article, oh, geez, it's got this weird pop-up. Um, During the corona period, more deaths than would normally be expected from March 1 through August 1 in the United States. Uh, uh, according to new research published Monday in the medical journal JAMA, quote, according to the research from Stephen Wolf. Although total U.S. death counts are remarkably consistent from year to year, U.S. deaths increased by 20% during March to July of 2020. COVID-19 was a documented case of only 67% of these excess deaths, researchers wrote. Now, of course, they're not challenging those big CDC numbers. And even then they're saying, so this this kind of echoes the, you know, the 300,000 number that it's, you know, it's roughly... 200,000 deaths now officially 220 and and 300,000 total excess deaths so far. So another quote here, contrary to skeptics who claim that COVID-19 deaths are fake or that the numbers are much smaller than we hear on the news, our research and many other studies on the same subject show quite the opposite. Some people who never had the virus may have died because of disruptions caused by the pandemic. These include people with acute emergencies chronic diseases like diabetes that were not properly cared for or emotional crises that led to overdoses or suicides. Oh, so now, now here's the thing again, they're, they're trying to blame the virus for this and not the government's criminal reaction using the virus as the excuse. But it's worth pointing out from this story that we, we, you know, we see, you know, how many, 
diseases weren't properly cared for and and overdoses as well as, as a major problem here. Uh, and there is a government, a, a deliberate effort to allow methamphetamines to be imported into the country right now. And we've seen this, and, and I actually, uh, to a large degree, predicted this. Because in their motives for the disruption in the street, for the, I mean, for the stuff that we see in, like, in Kenosha and some of the BLM associated riots and, and, uh, you know, things like that. And all, all of this violence and conflict in the street. So there are, and then alcohol. Like, we talked to, uh, Travis Grew, um, Grew for NC, G-R-O-O-F-O-R-N-C dot org. If you want to check out his website, Grew for North Carolina. Um, you know, as, as, as he pointed out, uh, you know, there, I'm sorry, what was I connecting with Grew? Uh, there are a lot of people, uh, suffering in other ways, uh, that, that are leading to, to this, this death rate. So, um, again, looking at this number of 300,000, how do we break it down? How many are, oh, no, sorry, the reason I mentioned Travis was that in, in North Carolina, as in a number of other states like New Hampshire, government runs all the liquor stores. The most popular drug in society is dealt by government. And they close down bars where people kind of keep each other safe while doing drugs. Uh, I'm sorry, doing the drug of alcohol, right? Whereas now you have people anxious, depressed, lonely, and still able to drink at home because that was an essential service. They kept the liquor stores open. So uh, overdoses, uh, we, we, we don't it, – it, by the way, it's really it's a little sidebar. It's really fucked up that people in this country have come to think of alcohol as not a drug. If it's legal, it's not a drug. No, a drug is a substance that changes your mental state. Technically, water is a drug. Uh, you, you, if you don't have enough water, I, I guess maybe you want to say a supplement, right, that does it. So you can say water is technically not a drug. But caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, those are fucking drugs. And we don't give them that same respect, mainly alcohol, because it's the, the, the most popular legal drug, but it is also the most destructive in the United States. And so instead of people drinking in bars where, where you can be cut off, we have people drinking at home where they're alone. And so we have a huge increase uh, in, in suicides and, and overdoses uh, related to that. So, yeah, I know we're almost at two hours, but I'm not done. We're, we're going to probably do another 30 minutes here. And, Jim, please give me some comments on here. I want is, is anybody still watching? Or has this show just gotten too fucking depressing at this point? Um, I, again, I still think this is really important, and we are going to get to uh, plenty of practical things here. So next, from uh, academic.oup.com, this is uh, Oxford Academic QJM. Um, in the uh, an International Journal of Medicine, Editor's Choice, The Impact of COVID-19 Pandemic on Suicide Rates. And just one thing I'm going to say, uh, quoting the story from, uh, from the summary, <clears throat> it is imperative to decrease stress, anxiety, fears, and loneliness in the general population. There should be traditional and social media campaigns to promote mental health and reduce distress. Active outreach is necessary, especially for people with a history 
of psychiatric disorders, COVID-19 survivors, and older adults. Research studies are needed of how mental health consequences can be mitigated during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. Excuse me. So this one, you know, doesn't get into the statistics too much. But uh, it does start getting to the the, the positive stuff. Um, by the way, this analysis, if you think I'm, again, you know, just stepping back, you know, we have to write the history of COVID-19 ourselves. We, the people, cannot allow the victors to write the history in this case. We cannot allow the mainstream media to define the history of Corona. And right now, the point in history that they're trying to create is, oh, and then there we got that 300,000 number and we realized that the deaths were actually way higher from Corona than, than, than we even thought. It, because for, for the entire course of this thing, us skeptics have been saying, no, no, it's, it's, it's a lot milder than you're saying. And so they're trying to flip that part of the screen. Oh, it's way worse. So I had a story from the Washington Post. And the headline from the Washington Post, the coronavirus pandemic has caused nearly 300,000 more deaths than expected in a typical year. And by itself, that's a fucking lie. Like, really, fuck you, Washington Post. Fuck you, Lenny Bernstein. This is absolute bullshit. And, and what this, this headline is doing is, is saying government had nothing to do with these extra deaths. They were caused by the coronavirus pandemic. The government created forced unemployment crisis. The government's inability to take care of people during that crisis. The additional stress and fear imposed by the government propaganda. That had nothing to do with it. And if you go read this story, there, 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 I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a mention like, oh, yeah, it's not all that. There have been a few people who have died from, from other things around, around the margins with, with, with this or that or the other. But when you have studies saying, oh, yes, in, in, in order to, to combat this, we need people to be calm. We need, we need leaders who are going to have social media campaigns to reduce stress and anxiety. Do you see that from anybody in government? No, 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 not really. Maybe around the margins. But the overall message from Trump, from Biden, is be afraid. Be very afraid. But don't worry, we'll save you, right? So, uh, you know, one more thing I, I want to cover sort of in, in background to this, and, and then we'll come back to, to one last breakdown of this 300,000 number. And then, uh, and then, then we'll end with the positive stuff about what you can do about this. Again, uh, you know, I, okay, we got a comment in the producers club chat. Jim says, uh, he has to go. Comments have been pretty quiet. Okay, so, um, CJ Mercedes, please be watching the comments. See if we can get these up. Unfortunately, since we're over time, we're going to lose comment, Jim Freedom. Um, Jim, do you want, you want to get on, we're going to go for about 15, 20 minutes more here. Jim, do you want to jump up on stage and uh, and, and sign off? See if you, have, if you have anything else to uh, to contribute to the subject. I know you do, and uh, I know you have things you want to say about you know the positive things 
that, that we're about to transition to with this episode and get into. So, Jim, your thoughts so far? Yeah, these numbers are really blowing my mind that, that, that they're that they're throwing around. I mean, the the dishonesty of these of these articles. The, oh, sorry. The three hundred thousand the numbers that they're throwing at us is just blowing my mind. You know, it's it's it, they're scary figures, but the way they're misattributing it to the to the pandemic itself and everything is really disingenuous. And you really driving that point home is I think is the main point because that's that's doing a disservice to helping those people that need to help. You know. Yes. Now, oh, excuse me, everybody. Going to adjust my uh, my camera here. Uh, now, Jim, you said they're scary, and, and in a sense they are, but part of what I want to point out, I mean, my part of the message of Adam versus the man is always, don't be afraid. Don't, like, fear as a response, you know, in terms of, like, emotional freedom. You know, yeah, I get it. It happens. That's the thing. Um, but but I would hope that th- this analysis of uh, this kind of understanding actually leads to people being less afraid. And, and, and you know, to, I, to let people know you're not alone. Don't, don't kill yourself. There are people out there uh, like me who, you know, I, it, okay, devil nuts. If you commit suicide, I will find you in hell. I will chase you down and make you do monkey fuckers till you puke. No, but <laughs> that's what I would say in the Marines uh, or, or Southern Marine Corps veterans. Uh, and by the way, monkey fuckers is just a funny name we have for this weird exercise that we do in, in calisthenics. That's a little kind of embarrassing. Um, but uh, yeah, I would, I, th- th- there there are communities, there are people you can reach out to. And I, I really do want to promote within the libertarian community uh, a culture of really looking out for each other when mainstream institutions uh, around mental health are insufficient and ill-suited for for helping libertarians in particular yeah for sure definitely i was serious when i said earlier anybody that feels it can email me jim at the com, and i will give you the respect of having a conversation with you and maybe i can guide you in the right you know direction maybe i have something of value to input maybe i don't but you don't know unless you try you know yeah, yeah. So I, you know, one of the ideas that this inspired for me, Jim, was, is creating a uh, libertarian mental health network uh, of counselors, and uh, you know, so that you can hook up with people anonymously or under a pseudonym uh, as a libertarian, and thus be able to communicate uh, in, in a way that protects you. Um, and and there are plenty of services out there already that allow you to just call in and not identify yourself, and that's fine. Right. Um, but if you're calling in, and it's your phone number, government's going to know. Uh, whereas perhaps with a, uh, a libertarian mental health network, I, I would call it a uh, you know libertarian counseling network of people who volunteer to make themselves available like that. And I, I wish we could say we were launching this today, of course. But at, at very least, we're, we're soft launching, starting with Jim and the Adam versus the Man Producers Club and the community here. And, hey, you know, if you just want someone to talk to, uh, you know, send me an email. Again, adam at thefreedomline.com. If I can't make the time, um, I'll, I'll hand you off to someone who I know in, in our Producers Club can help you. And because we are libertarians, 
uh, as opposed to statists, you will not be judged at all for reaching out anonymously over a secure line of communication. Uh, you know, if you because if you make a call on, uh, you know, and I, I know nothing digital is, is totally secure, but, but you know, taking whatever appropriate measures that you want for your anonymity, you know, we, we would support and respect you in doing that. So you want to create a brand new Gmail account and a brand new uh, Google phone number, Google voice number in order to contact Jim to get into this. You know, we totally respect and, and, and support that, right? Absolutely, 100%. And I'd like to thank you for dedicating so much time, the whole two hour. This show is basically one big clip, and uh, it deserves that. The topic itself deserves that. So I wanted to thank you for yeah. for, for doing that. And uh, Well, I'm, I'm not done, and this is still a lot easier than uh, what we did for Christmas. Remember, we did a suicide what did we call it a suicide awareness marriage suicide prevention marathon we did a, a 24-hour live stream um was it 24 yeah, we did 24 hours with uh with a bunch of different people it wasn't just me a bunch of different people uh oh, taking yeah, turns yeah. on the stream uh around christmas because uh and it's a bit of a myth that that suicide goes up around the holidays but there are a lot of people who face unique stressors around the holidays that, that lead to suicide. So people, I think suicide over the holidays goes up for people who don't do family Christmas, but it goes down for the population overall because of, of coming together. And so we did a, we did a, uh, you know, we did a special episode for, um, for those uh, people who were alone on Christmas, and that was that was a lot of fun, and, and I think that's uh, I did a lot of good. We got a lot of positive feedback. So hopefully, yes, hopefully this episode creates something that people in the libertarian community want to share. And I know, you know, we're producing a video that's going to be or you know, an audio production here that, that's that's going to be about two and a half hours long total. But uh, you'll see, and especially in the last twenty minutes here, you know why. Oh, you know, this is worth sharing and, and strengthening in our community. So, Jim, thanks for that, and thanks for being a part of that and, and contributing your own time uh, for people in need. All right, so uh, CJ says his, his Internet is crashing, so I don't know, maybe Mercedes. Now there's, I don't know. We'll it see. Rebooting. It, it's, it's cool. This is one of the great things about StreamYard. We're able to stay up uh, even without our producer because this show is technically hosted remotely. Uh, CJ's posting your connection was was interrupted. Okay, just in. so anyway, CJ, don't worry about it. I got enough stuff pulled up to get to get through the end of the show. And if Mercedes has to be the one to pull the trigger at the end, uh, that's a bad, in, it, untimely, inappropriate metaphor. I should say pull the plug rather than pull the trigger. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jim, thank you. CJ's back though, so you're good. Okay, CJ's all back. Great. So we got a few more things we're going to cover uh, in, in the statistics and, and wrap up with, uh, with, with what you can do to help. So this is from chapterland.org, and it's, an, uh, it's a, a flyer from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention about some just basic suicide facts and figures for the United States. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., uh, this is for 2020. These are 2020 numbers. On average, 132 Americans died by suicide each day, and 1.4 million Americans 
attempted suicide. 90% of those who died by suicide had a diagnosable mental health condition at the time of their death. Men died by suicide 3.6 times more often than women. Women were 1.4 times more likely to attempt suicide. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna brag. Uh, when it comes to suicide, men compared to women, we're just fucking better than you at it. Okay, so 40, 48,344 Americans died by suicide, and that's um, you know I, I think that is that is uh, not a current statistic um, because we don't have the numbers yet for 2020. It, now now here's the important thing for for age groups. It is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 34. So when you take out older people, people like me who are older than 34, believe it or not, uh, it's, it's, this is why it gets down to the 10th leading cause of death overall. So it is the fourth leading cause of death for those in the 35 to 54 age group. Um, and, and a lot of this is, it's not, uh, you know, it, I'm, by the way, I will point out, and this is a bad caveat to have to in include here, but I'm not actually 100% against suicide, right? I'm for assisted suicide, for self-mercy suicide, uh, but I am 100% against desperation suicide. I am 100% against suicide that is that permanent solution to a temporary problem, right? And that's the majority of it. Uh, you know, if you want to say, Adam, well, not all suicide's bad, I would agree. But the problem with pointing that out, aside from the fact that you're being an insensitive dickhead, is that that's a very small portion of suicide. And if you want a really fun story about this, I would refer, refer you to uh, Doug Stanhope telling the story of his mother's suicide, uh, where he says he, he didn't assist so much as bar back a suicide. <laughs> Uh, helping her mix drinks and, and kill herself with pills. Uh, but anyway, back to these numbers. In 2017, the suicide rate was one and a half times higher for veterans than non-veteran adults over the age of 18. Over 950,000 years of potential life were lost to suicide before age 65. Um, and yeah, it's, it's more tragic when a young person kills themselves. Than, than someone who's about to die from old age anyway, or who is avoiding the pain of uh, a chronic, debilitating, progressive disease. Uh, firearms accounted for slightly more than half of all suicide deaths, 50.54%. Suicide deaths and attempts cost $69 billion in combined work loss and medical costs in 2015. Now, you know, how do they calculate a number like that, 69 a billion dollars. Uh, obviously, there's some subjective analysis in deciding what to include. But obviously, this is a huge cost, which for some people is a benefit, right, for those profiteers in the medical industry. According to this, 10.3% of Americans have thought about suicide, and 54% of Americans have been affected by suicide, and I would say that's not true at all. 100% of Americans have been affected by suicide. Suicide is a natural, ongoing phenomena of the human experience that affects every single person on Earth. The fact that other people have done it that you know about, and that there is a herd mentality 
function to suicide. And what I mean by that is uh, around celebrity suicides, you often see a wave of copycat suicides. Um, so it, it, it really is a monkey see, monkey do kind of phenomena that everybody is affected by. So when they say 54%, I would assume that's like family members, people who are living with someone or directly affected uh, or working with someone who has committed suicide. And, uh, you know, CJ's got this map of the United States included here where it, it and, and this is interesting, it's actually kind of a red state phenomenon. It'd be interesting to do a map overlay, but from my memory, what it looks like here is that it's, it's um, a lot of red states where suicide is, is higher. Well, you know, it's, it's not exactly right, it's, it's, but it's Midwestern states. Um, you see, uh, not mid, excuse me, not Midwest, Midwest and Western minus California where it's very low, Texas where it's relatively low. And then New England, uh, relatively low for most of it, except New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine, where it's a lot higher than West. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into this map because I'll bet it's a lot of manipulation with state-by-state state figures. Um, but but it would suggest that more rural areas uh, have higher rates of suicide. So, um, you know... I, I don't know if it, you know if, if anybody has in the, anything in the comments or questions. You know, let me let me get CJ up up on screen here um, for the the wrap up on on the statistics before uh, before we get to the positive ending here and all the, all the, <laughs> the things that we can do about this. CJ, have, have you thought about killing yourself yet in the last two hours? <laughs> uh. Suicide uh, is one of those subjects that I just, uh, I hate. So it's not like this is my favorite show of all the shows we've done. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a serious topic. It definitely deserves the time and attention. And uh, I, too, would encourage people to reach out and get help if you need it. Uh, Non-governmental channels first. Obviously, if you've got a, a friend or family member uh, somebody that you feel confident with telling this to, I would go to friends or family before I'd go to government first. Um, that's pretty much where I'd say with that. I've had friends and family that have uh, both committed suicide, and so to me this subject is uh, very personal. So, I mean, yeah, I blame government on about 99.9% of uh, stressing factors that I still leave that percentage that uh, I blame a person, but because uh, it's a choice. Um, I try to have empathy, though, for it, uh, but uh, it's a tough subject. You know, everybody feels different about it. I do agree with you on mercy suicide, you know, like if you're like, like, for example, the falling man on 9-11, you know, either burn to death or fall out of building, uh, you know, it's, it's make that choice, you know, um, uh it's kind of that proverbial decision, though, uh, that, you know, once made, it can't be undone. Um, yeah, so oh, it's just a really tough subject to get into today, Adam. I didn't even expect to be on the broadcast today, so. Well, I'm glad you uh, appreciate the seriousness of this, but you, you've motivated me to, uh, to to bring a little more comedy into this. And uh, you know, one of my favorite comics is is the uh, the king of mean, I guess. Uh, what, what, 
famous asshole, Anthony Jeselnik. Mm. And, you know, one of my fa- I, I have a Pandora station for Anthony. And, you know, one of his, uh, one of his lines that, that I love is, um, people hate it when I, uh, people, people hate jokes about, about suicide. So here are four jokes about suicide. I think that's kind of how he does his show. Um, let's see. I, I, I'm trying to pull. I've also got uh, worstjokesever.com pulled up. Let's see if I can find some of the worst jokes. I think there's some really bad ones here about suicide, right? Um <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to like do Anthony Jeselnik, um, you know, off off the top of your head, and 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 really pull it off without sounding like an asshole. Uh, but I'll, I'll read this one part from him. Um, that there's not a lot in life that always makes me happy. One thing, one thing that always makes me happy. I love it when I see this. I love it when old married couples. I love it when old married couples die really close together. I love that. I will clip that out of the newspaper every time I see it. To me, there's just nothing more romantic than a good old-fashioned murder-suicide. True. In fact, now that I'm saying this out loud, it's probably more accurate to say that I just love murder-suicide because I do. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. I like all the suicides. But murder-suicide's my favorite. I have friends who worry about me. They'll say, Anthony, why are you so into suicide? You have everything. Yeah. Everything but a successful suicide attempt. I think I got really into suicide just after college when I worked at a suicide hotline. Just for a couple days. <laughs> Day and a half, really. They got rid of me pretty quick. They said, Anthony, we've got to let you go. Half the people you talk to end up committing suicide. I said, guys... That's hardly fair. Most of those were wrong numbers. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it with anything for me. For something for him today, I would just say that uh, once you make that decision, it's it's your choice. Um, I don't uh, I don't think uh, it's it's one that is is anything but a personal choice. I, I think if you own yourself. Uh, you can have, you have the right to take yourself out, um, but uh, you know I, I think that the government makes it a crime to actually commit suicide. Um, that's pretty crazy that they have penal codes for uh, for suicide. Um, I don't know how you prosecute the dead, um, but uh, that's for another day. Um, you know. There's there's a lot that we could say that you know people could come back and comment ten years twenty years from now and say well do we lose you CJ I don't have audio Did yeah yeah crazy we're having interruptions huh Shocking. yeah so uh, I don't know what I missed out but yeah no we won't have the corona results of the suicides like the real true statistics until, you know, 2022. Uh, and that's, again, what they, they, they wash through and, and what's politically correct numbers. Uh, just to let you know, Adam, I, I, we had a great turnout at the beginning of the show. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the title 
Uh, you know, great. Uh, but uh, I think a lot of people tuned in to for the beginning and then realized you're not going to kill yourself. Nobody's killing themselves. We're just talking about killing ourselves for two plus hours. And so, yeah, it's a tough about hour. it not happening. Yeah, about it. All right. Not, All right. Yeah. Well, I know part of this is that we do have to go along to cover this. So, see, are you, you okay doing another, like, 20, 30 minutes here just to, to make sure we, we cover this efficiently? 20, 30 more minutes of suicide conversation? Yeah, well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I've got worstjokesever.com pulled up. Last week, I told my psychiatrist, mm-hmm. I keep thinking about suicide, and he told me that from now on, I'm going to have to pay in advance. That's prepaid, yeah, for sure. That's the you will your credit score will drop. I mean, immediately they'll be like, no, you can't finance this guy a a, a car, a boat, a plane, nothing like a, <laughs> no. I've I've told this one before from also from the same site. Uh, a man walks into the library. Hello, ma'am. I'd like to borrow a book about committing suicide. The librarian replies, No, you won't bring it back. True, and, and, you know, that's public property, so, of course, you know, it should be returned properly. Uh, you know, that's a big problem in the library community. <laughs> All right, so I, I found the Anthony. So I'm going to – I'm gonna. so we're going to have a little comedy break here, and then Dang. CJ and I, we're going to wrap up this. Dang, what am I saying that is just interrupting my connection? Jeez. Okay. Well, see, I don't know if you want you want to take a minute off screen. I'll bring you back for the number. No, I want you to stay on screen. I don't care if your audio drops. Stay on screen. I want to see if I can make you laugh. Quote, trying to do my, my Anthony Jesselnik impersonation here, okay? So, Anthony, I have the transcripts. And this is from his uh, – this is, by the way, I, I should give uh, appropriate credit. This is Anthony Jesselnik, his performance, uh, Caligula, 2013 – Found the full transcript. He says, now one thing I've learned in all my years of doing stand-up comedy is that people get really upset. Audiences get really upset if I ever try to tell a joke about suicide. So because of that, here are four jokes about suicide. (laughs) Uh, I've got a long history of suicide in my family. The good news is, it skips a generation. So if I'm lucky, my kids will do it. <laughs> Not dark enough for you, CJ? All right. Uh, I'll never forget my sister actually tried to kill herself last year by throwing off, throwing herself off a cliff, which is awful. I'm actually one of the ones who found her and had to drive her to the cliff. <laughs> All right, maybe you have to get into Anthony Jeselnik mode for this. Um, like I don't have better shit to do. All right. When I was a kid, my Uncle Tom killed himself. I remember that because the family actually tried to cover it up and make it look like he accidentally shot himself playing regular roulette. No one. No one was fooled. Just didn't work. But I think... The worst for me was probably my cousin Ty, who killed himself a couple years ago. That was hard because he was just, like, a little bit older than me. I would always go to him for advice, and he was great with it, too. Whether I was asking about school or girls, just life in general, you know, 
He always said the same thing to me. He'd say, Anthony, kill yourself. I miss that guy. <laughs> um, now, you guys have been a great crowd tonight. You've gone with me everywhere I've wanted to go, but if you've just been sitting there this whole time thinking, Anthony, this is all well and good, but where are your offensive jokes? <laughs> all right, don't worry. They're gonna, it's a, anyway, I, I love Anthony Jeselnik, I'm, and, and uh, in the spirit of his comedy, I will apologize for not having this timing. Uh, but uh, back to worstjokesever.com. I believe self-baptism is a nice way of saying failed suicide attempt. I don't call it suicide. I call it population control. You know, sick sidebar to that, there is an element, I, and, and being a little paranoid of projecting into the motivations of the super class right now, they're totally cool with suicide rates going up. Oh, yeah. I'm they, not going to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do the do the powers that be have a problem with suicide going up? It's mostly poor people. It's people who they've already pushed to the fringe. <laughs> people who are useless for them to exploit as tax cattle. Let them kill themselves, right? So this is, again, we we depend on government. This is the, in, in terms of this being an important thing for Adam versus the man. When the we when society generally depends on government to to regulate and make sure that that healthcare is available to everybody and that it's a comprehensive system, when they really don't give a fuck about suicide, it, and they promote it in so many ways, I think it really is one of the most important libertarian causes to talk about suicide and suicide prevention. Okay, we got some some stuff in the chat here. Maybe we got some some more people helping me out. Uh, with with comedy, no, okay, it's more stories for for tomorrow. Excuse me, I guess people trying to avoid talking about suicide, even in our producers club chat. Um, I mean, Adam, honestly, you've beat this subject to death, pun intended. <laughs> well, I will say, there's nothing more depressing than a failed suicide attempt. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do the numbers, CJ, and, and so we can wrap this up with some positives here. Okay, so, we'll find a silver lining in all this. So we have been looking at this 300,000 number, assuming that it's roughly tr- true. Um, if we assume that the 300,000 number is true, and that the 220,000 deaths from COVID is is true in the sense that it's people who have died with COVID, if not from it, right? And that 6% of those died exclusively from COVID. You know, we have some sort of numbers, you know, from the edges. We can we can work in from the edges of this 300,000. We can say, okay, of that 300,000, how many died due to corona versus other stuff? We can say at very least 6%. Again, assuming the government numbers are true, 6% died just from corona. And I think it's a fair estimate to say that of the other 94%, half of them died primarily due to corona. I think we're being it's somewhere around there, right? And that the other half are, are overcounted as corona deaths. Um, so if, if that's true, we've got, uh, you know, 6% of 
200,000, roughly being 12,000, and then, you know, maybe another half uh, of that 210,000, right? And, you know, so, so maybe we have somewhere around the range of 110 to 120,000 of those 220,000 corona deaths are true corona deaths. Now, of the other 80,000 deaths this year, the difference between 220 and 300,000, how many of those are unreported corona deaths? Not very many. Now, they're pretty eager to claim corona deaths. Did, did, did any actually slip through the cracks? I think we'd be safe saying it couldn't be more than, than about 5,000, really. So of those, now we, we add that up, you know, how many of those 220,000 are actually primarily COVID deaths? You know, maybe a little more than two-thirds. Something like, uh, you know, somewhere between 120,000 and 150,000. Which means we still have to explain the other half of these excess deaths. And if the average American suicide rate year by year is, is you know, roughly 50,000, if it, if it only went up, If it, if, it, if it only doubled during this period, that and that's probably an average estimate. Suicides are, are double what they are. Because remember, in some places, again, we're, 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 we're ex- having to extrapolate here from limited data. Uh, but we have seen in some localities that there are, have been more suicide than COVID deaths. Now, from that, you would have to subtract the normal suicide deaths or expected rate of suicide, right? So let's say the, the, the COVID deaths are actually uh, 120,000 out of 220,000 out of 300,000. Well, and, and you're seeing the same number of suicide deaths, 120,000. Well, then you subtract the, the baseline and you've got 70,000. By, by that, by, by those numbers, in order for suicide to be outpacing COVID, it will have had to have more than doubled in its rate over this time period. And of course, where we see those statistics are probably the suicide hotspots, not reflective of the overall uh, statistics for the for the country. But if it's the same, if they're the same, so then. Now we have 70,000 deaths, at least, as extra suicides this year. Then you have some tens of thousands of people who have died because of uh, lack of access to medical care, uh, delays in medical care, things like that. Um people dying of other diseases that they, they, they just can't get or are, are, are afraid to seek treatment for. And, and when you add all of that up, I don't want to say that more people are dying from suicide than COVID. It does not look like that is the case. Um, it's, it's probably the same or less. But if you look at this 300,000 number where they want you to believe that it's 220 plus 80 and they're all mostly COVID deaths, 
when you do the proper analysis, what it comes out to is is kind of the opposite, that about half of them are COVID deaths and about half of them are due to the government's response to COVID. Does it, so far, does, does that all hold true for you in the numbers, CJ? Does that all make sense? No, that makes zero sense. That was a long train of numbers that's going to put a lot of old people to sleep very quickly. <laughs> if not, make them consider at least assisted suicide. Uh, if if they really wanted to break it down any further. Uh, but, you know, uh, again, there's there's a lot to it. And I think, again, 10 years from now, this conversation is so irrelevant because the government fucked up all the numbers from the gate. So, they're all skewed. Put an asterisk yes. next to all of it. But when it comes down to personal choices and things like that, it, you know, again, uh, I'm not going to try to judge anybody for what, you know, they believe to be the answer to the problems they're facing. I agree with you on on uh, several key points of the principles of suicide. There's a lot of people with suicidal ideation out there that we got to really be aware of, too, uh, you know. Like I said, I've, I've been personally affected by the topic. Uh, so when I hear numbers, to me, it's it's different than having lived it, lost a family member, friend, uh, dating somebody whose family commits suicide or, uh, you know, just uh, having that, you know, buddy that you went to the, you know, training with, you know, commits suicide or your, your, your one of your captains from uh, Iraq, you know, commits suicide. These are all things that, that you know, take place uh, that, that gives you such a more humbling experience uh, of, of, about suicide. And, you know, it's a, it's a very serious subject. Uh, I don't think it should be taboo. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I've already put it. If you don't have a will for what your will is, you written down, verified, you sign it, like, hey, take me out in case, you know, uh, this uh, – I'll say when when I cannot uh, wipe my own ass and, and take care of myself, please, you know, let me uh, take a graceful way out of this world. Uh, you know, like, it's a, again, personal choice. I, I know people that are like, hey, when it's my time to go, I just want to go, like, position my body out in a field and be euthanized and then let my body rot and be studied by people who are trying to be uh, training cadaver dogs. And I'm like, what would possess you? To want to do something like that, and it's just like, you know, hey, maybe it'll help somebody out in the future. So, I mean, even in death, people want to be noble. Uh, you know, yep. there's there's different causes, uh, backgrounds, beliefs. Uh, I know it's very stigmatized in some areas that you can go to hell, uh, and especially in, in certain church circles, you'll go to hell, you won't go to heaven. Uh, you know, there's, there's religious uh, things, uh, you know, uh, like in the Bible, Judas commits suicide after betraying Jesus. Uh, you know, it's a, it, suicide's been around for a very long time. It's I don't think Adam versus the man is going to solve the problem of suicide, but we did let people know for two hours and 40 minutes that we'll talk about it. And, uh, <laughs> no, we're not done. This is going to uh, be a no, three-hour show, man. No. Let me get to the good stuff. Let me get to the good stuff. We're just going to cover two positive stories that are empowering about things that we can do about suicide, and uh, then we're going to end with some dumb jokes. So usnews.com, a uh, recent story from uh, from about a month ago, September 26th, how you can help prevent suicide during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Challenges related to the COVID-19 pandemic may increase the risk of suicide, so it's crucial to know the warning signs. A mental health expert says suicide is often preventable because people considering suicide want help, according to Dr. Ahmad Hamid, a psychiatrist at Penn State Health, Milton S. Hershey Medical Center. A majority of the time, this is quote, a majority of the time, individuals who survived a serious suicide attempt say they were relieved that they are alive and that someone was there to listen to them and understand what they were going through. A U.S. CDC uh, study conducted in June found a rise in mental health conditions during the pandemic. 31% of respondents reported symptoms of anxiety and depression, 11% or depression. 11% said they had seriously considered suicide in the last three days. About 90% of individuals who do by, die by suicide have either a diagnosed or diagnosable mental health disorder, Hamid said. For people already prone to anxiety, health concerns, potential job loss, worries about loved ones during the pandemic can seem unbearable. It's time for loved ones, as Hamid said, quote, it's time for loved ones, friends, and family members to be really mindful of any potential behaviors they might see in a person with a mental health condition. Some of the signs to look for include, is a person's depression, anxiety, or isolation worsening? Are they more distant? Are they able to care for themselves? Do they have sudden weight loss or weight gain? Are they having trouble sleeping? Do they talk about not wanting to live? Have they made a plan to die by suicide? Has their alcohol or drug use increased? You asked that about America. We have stats on that. Oh, yes, it has. Did they recently buy a gun? More than half the people who die by suicide use a firearm. Are they getting their affairs in order? By recognizing the warning sign, you could help someone at risk for suicide. Follow these four steps. Ask if they're struggling with emotions or considering suicide. And I, this is, I want, I want, I have to comment on this because I, I know this is a really tough one because this is such a, a, a horrifically taboo subject. So I love Anthony Jeselnik. And Anthony, I'm sorry I screwed up your timing on those jokes because they made me crack up when you did them properly. Anthony has a unique delivery style that I can't really impersonate. But uh, it's so important. You know, and and my my Anthony Jeselnik Pandora station brings in a lot of other morbid comedic bits. uh, Jokes about death, and, and he directly jokes about death as well as suicide. And, yeah, talking about these taboo subjects it, it is so important in order to mitigate the harm related to them. Being afraid to talk about something, being afraid to talk about suicide is probably the leading cause of suicide in the world. I mean, if they're preventable by talking about them. So I put this out as a bullet point because it's in this article. Ask if they're struggling with emotions or considering suicide. Hey, bro, how are you doing emotionally? You haven't been considering killing yourself lately, have you? I mean, I can say that really casually and make it sound like it rolls off the tongue. But that is a hard fucking question to ask somebody. I get it. I get it. Are you going to piss them off? Are you willing to dive that deep, that casually, in starting a conversation? Well, you fucking better be, especially right now, because just asking that question could save a life. 
listen to their concerns without judgment. Yeah, I mean, basic, you know, if you're a counselor or a therapist, um, really important to to empathize and take judgment out of the situation. Validate their feelings. And this is huge. Uh, to say, and I'll give you the language here. I understand why you might feel that way. Your feelings make sense. That's it. That's all you have to say. But that meat to someone who is in a state of emotional distress, just hearing that can be critically important to validate their feelings. And the last one here is help them find professional help, such as a psychiatrist, therapist, primary care provider, or emergency department. And if you're a libertarian uh, and you're talking to someone who's like, oh, I can't do that. That's all government shit. Okay, send them to us. Send them to the Adam versus the Man Producers Club. If I have to, to make some time, I'll talk to them directly myself, especially if it's a veteran. Uh, but as Jim made that generous offer today, at least he will make himself available as a, as a listener for talk therapy for, for those who need that. Um, they also said, they point this out, in the United States, people considering suicide can also speak with a counselor for free, 24-7, by calling the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, as we have had across this entire show, scrolling ac- across the bottom of the screen, 1-800-273-8255. As Hamid said, people really do want help. All we have to do is ensure that the help is readily available. And that could be you. And if you're not the help, at very least you can be a lifeline and be the one motivating or encouraging or just pushing someone, excuse me, or just making the connection for someone to get help and save their lives. Like that is, that is amazing. All right. So now, we got a really fun story to end with. Our last link of the day, aside from worst jokes ever, <laughs> comes from jdsupra.com, COVID, mental health, and animals. And for those of you who don't know, I am I am a proud owner. Uh, I shouldn't say owner. Uh, uh, my dogs don't own. Uh, I, I don't own my dogs. They own me. I serve them, right? I am their human uh, you know, this is my service animal. Well, I am their service human. Uh, but I, you know, I've also got uh, seven cats here, one of whom is about to deliver another uh, amazing litter of scorpion kitties. And we've seen in the veterans community specifically how valuable therapy dogs can be for veterans with PTSD, but for everybody. And, I, yeah, we can make plenty of jokes about, the Paris Hiltons of the world getting a note for their chihuahua in their purse as a emotional support dog so they can take it on an airplane or at a restaurant. And, you know, don't be a dick about that shit. But uh, some of those people really need actual emotional support animals, and just having them around can make a huge difference for your mental health. So to the article, the coronavirus pandemic has had a profound impact on our individual and community mental health. Even before the pandemic, one in five adults were experiencing serious mental health difficulties. Add the novel coronavirus to the mix, and collectively, we have been thrown into a tailspin. And this this uh, article has two uh, has a graphic here that has a, uh, just two really critical statistics. Uh, the depression rate 
for and this is looking at quarter two, the second quarter of 2019 was just over five percent for Q2 in 2020. It's just under, we're seeing just over five percent last year, whereas now it's just under 25 percent. So think about this. Just looking at America, I mean, the oh, you can think about depression due to this broader phenomena as uh, something that sort of brings everybody down. So it's much more, even this statistic doesn't encompass how depressed is America right now, but people who meet this criteria of the line of, of, of being counted in the depression rate, there are five times as many people depressed right now in America as there were at the same time last year. Wow. Suicidal ideation also doubled. And here they're using May 2018 versus May 2020 on the chart from about 5% to over 10%. And, you know, without without getting into this uh, this article and this graphic, it, it has uh, the ways that, that animals can boost our mental health in general. They can help battle loneliness and isolation in this time where safe contact with other people is sparse, if it happens at all. And by the way, I talk to my animals. <laughs> I talk to my pets. Um, and, and, you know, more because I've just, I like the conversational way of talking about commands. If I say bed, and that's the command for my dog to jump into bed, but I say, hey, Marilyn, you ready to go to bed? She does the same thing, right? And it, 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 it's a different tone. But I extend that into uh, some things that are on my mind. I mean, just using use your dog as a therapist. I mean, I don't, don't, don't get carried away with that. If it gets serious, uh, you probably want to talk to a professional human uh, as well. But uh, you know, as a matter of meditation, even finding a you know, talk to a wall, talk to a statue, talk to a tape recorder, you know, find some creative outlet. But dogs is, and and cats as companion animals, you, you can talk to them too and and get a lot of benefit from that. Animals can supply sensory stress relief just by sitting next to us and having us pet them. A uh, fun little quick backstory: when I helped organize. The uh, Winter Soldier for uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, uh, vets testifying about their experiences. Um, check it out, Winter Soldier, Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, I was the mental health support coordinator and made sure that there were counselors on site. But I also got to carry around a uh, little beagle the whole time as an emotional support animal. And in our, our panel, what we'd have panels go up and tell crazy fucked up war stories. And then they get to go hang out with the puppy afterwards. It, it's it, like when, when you need a break, when your mind is in some kind of tailspin or any kind of negative repetitive thought pattern, go pet a fucking dog. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stop the pattern. You know, you can't, hey, puppy, you can't, you can't pick up a puppy in your lap. And I have kittens. You can't pick up, you can't hold a kitten and, and keep those negative thought loops going. Animals can uh, be a source of laughter, reducing stress and bringing joy. Animals can encourage people to take walks and engage in other self-care activities. And this is a big one, especially now in, in corona, phobia, in the, the era of the coronavirus. Just, I got to walk my fucking dog. You don't have to wear a mask. Uh, but just, it, 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 it and, and I've, I've found this in times when I have felt down, that, Taking care of my animals gives me uh, a baseline of physical. I, I got to get up every day. Even here, I, and I, I live in ten acres. I don't walk my dog. 
<laughs> they walk themselves. They go out and play, and it's great. Um, but, you know, every day I got to get up and feed them. I got to, you know, t- twice a day, check in on, you know, food and water. And even just that, just that minimal, I'm taking care of another living thing uh, gives me a, an engagement outside of my own head. And that's that's really important. A lot of people experiencing symptoms related to suicide become very self-centered, absorbed thinking about themselves. And just breaking that with some empathy, even for a pet, can be hugely valuable. Uh, In many cases, animals provide their people, see the possessive there, their people, uh, with a reason to get out of bed every day to have someone close by to care for and even to take care of themselves. Our animal pals are serving as a lifeline during these trying times. Give your pet an extra squeeze and gratitude. They're working overtime and not asking for a raise. Uh, by the way, go to pounds. I, you know, I want uh, uh, to shelters, animal shelters, um, you know, get a rescue. And uh, you might actually, if, it, if it's a cat, you're probably, and it's not a no-kill. There are a lot of cats in not no-kill shelters, as in kill shelters, as in if someone doesn't go adopt that cat, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get euthanized. So, uh, you know, maybe it's not rescuing like you pulled it out of a burning building, right? You know, no, I got a free dog. <laughs> uh, I went I went to the shelter and I picked up a free dog. I didn't, didn't really rescue it. In fact, you say, hey, you got to pay a little bit for the service. Uh, but I, I highly support uh, adoption in that. And if, um, you know, you want to – by the way, we are breeding kittens out here, our scorpion cats, uh, giving them away in pairs. If, uh, if if you want to uh, adopt one of our kitties here, that that might be an opportunity. Um, what what's going on in the producers club? Someone explain this to me. Mercedes shared a gif that's the like leave Britney Spears alone, but it looks it doesn't look like the original guy. It looks like a parody. And then CJ says, "My God, save me." Um, why 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 is that? All right. Um, there's no audio with that gif, so I don't get it. Anyway. I hope this show has been helpful for for everybody listening. I know, you know, we're we're coming on three hours here, um, and I don't regret I don't regret it for a second. I don't regret taking the time to get into this uh, because you know, looking at these statistics, pulling them apart, the conclusion is that just in death counts, when you factor suicide in properly. And people who didn't get health care because of coronaphobia, the government's response, and died as a result, we can see already that, again, if we giving the government numbers the benefit of the doubt, the cure is worse than the disease. Or at least in this, in this breakdown here, well, no, I can tell, by the, by the death count, the cure is about as bad as the disease. Uh, yeah, we can really we can we can say I mean what it looks like now. I'm I'm not saying this is a matter of certainty. And one of my points here is how disturbing it is that we don't have better numbers about this because we are totally capable as a society of doing this, of of really understanding these issues. And we don't. Why don't we have better numbers because of government? But from from my rough analysis, as I've done throughout the show, and 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 you know cited my sources and and explained my extrapolations, 
if we accept this number of 300,000, we look at that, uh, it's, it's about half or less of those deaths that are actually due to corona. Uh, it's half or a little bit more that, and, and again, a big part of this is, you know, that, that 94%, we say 6% of deaths for the CDC were just corona, and the other 94% of corona deaths were it, with patients who, died, who had con, uh, pre-existing conditions or aggravating factors or contributing factors where uh, corona may have been the primary but not exclusive cause of death or may have just been an insignificant presence. Uh, you know, for all these asymptomatic carriers that are out there, there are people who are dying with coronavirus without the coronavirus affecting them at all. And so we don't know how to break down that number yet. We don't have reliable statistics. If anything, uh, over time, we don't find out, oh, yeah, the government was telling the truth. No, we find out, oh, they were further and further and further from the truth as history goes on. So the other the, the other of these 300,000 deaths, not from corona, it looks like a good chunk of those are from suicide. Possibly around uh, around half. It could be as many as uh, you know, seventy five thousand people more than normal committing suicide this year because of coronaphobia stress, because of government policies, because of the forced unemployment crisis, lack of access to medical care, other things accounting for the rest. Again, not being able to know more specifically in and of itself is really disturbing. But like I said. Uh, you have to be able to laugh at this. I mean, what's what's the best cure for depression? Laughter, right? Uh, all right. Uh, doesn't doesn't not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not offering this as, as medical advice, obviously. But uh, you know, in my case, my mom she asked me to stop telling jokes about suicide. I told her, "Don't worry, it'll stop soon." Yeah, that's my first bad joke here from WorstJokesEver.com. Are you suicide? Because you're always on my mind. Yeah, terrible pickup line. Uh, what do suicidal people do in their spare time? Hang out. The guy asking, or to the guy asking what joy I find in suicide jokes, the answer is simple. I make suicide to jokes with my crippling depression. Must be working. Because I'm still here. And I guess that's, uh, that's about all the jokes that, that we're going to try to inject into this conversation and just wrap things up with you know some positive notes of encouragement uh, I hope that if you've made it to the to the end of this special three-hour episode of Adam versus the man that not only have you found this information perspective and analysis useful and helpful but also motivating and inspiring as I as I've always said, a big part of being an activist and what I want to call people to do in stepping up is to embrace a life purpose based on love for your fellow human beings. And this is a critical manifestation of that love, making sure that nobody makes the mistake of a desperate suicide that is truly a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I hope that you take this to heart for the libertarian community, 
to strengthen our connections, to reach out to people who you might uh, be concerned about or just people you haven't heard from in a while. People in your non-libertarian communities with your with your job, with your, your physical, your residential community, friends, everybody else in your life who you could save by asking tough questions. But also, I hope you'll share this episode. If you made it to the end of this episode, I have a special request for you. Don't just share it. Share it with a note about why this is important. Why it's, why should, if you sat through this three hours, why should someone seeing your share of it sit through this three hours? Well, not only has this been fun, I like talking about the news, I like talking about numbers, I like making jokes, and I like talking about tough subjects. I hope you do too, so that we can really address this epidemic of suicides, not just in America, but throughout the world. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.